Welcome guys to another episode of Nuance and Nonsense. Uh, we're here today with Max. Max is a friend of ours and comedian based here in St. Louis. He is a two-time finalist for the Make Me Laugh USA competition and a runner-up in the Funniest Person in St. Louis competition. Max works at clubs and independent shows all over the Midwest. He can also be found touring and performing regularly with Preston Lacey of MTV's Jackass and has worked with names like Polly Shore, Chris Kattan, Bobcat Goldthwait, David Kechner, and many more. Max draws from his unique experiences with his family, his degenerative and crime-ridden youth, and ongoing troubles as a young single father. Max is a really funny guy. We're happy to have him here. Um, and he produces the top-rated, reviewed, and highest-attended monthly comedy show in St. Louis at The Funny Bone. Um, welcome, Max. Thank you uh, for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. We're very excited to... Uh, to talk to him. Yeah. So yeah, and so Shaney and I have we, we've been going to Max's show before COVID for uh, like pretty as long as we've been dating, and you've been going even longer than that. And um, we're sad that it's you know that we can't go now, but um, someday. Yeah, someday soon. It's a great show. So if anybody's listening who's in St. Louis, definitely you know follow Max and look out for that. But um, yeah. It's always the highlight of our week. Yeah. Yeah. It we is. don't get out much, so that was like the one thing we do do. Yeah. I don't remember that. Do you want to um, jump in and ask them the icebreakers? Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, fun. So we, <laughs> we do these little icebreaker um, questions that are kind of like all different themes. We talk about tech, music, health, fashion, pop culture, and kind of like psych, self-improvement. Um, so they're all just like in those themes. So do you have a favorite software, hard hardware, gadget, app um, that you use? Maybe something that's not super common, like not obviously not like your iPhone. Everyone loves their iPhone. Yeah. Um, dude, I'm so technologically impaired. Like I <laughs> I always do the like I I'm so bad at like finding the new thing to like find that shortcut or whatever. So I always use like the the oldest, like, uh, hard, uh, the oldest yeah, nah, just like, I, I, I never know how to use like new technology. So I just like, I, I, I'm not like up to date on that. So like whatever it can be done, I like, I have like the hardest route to go about it. Cause I, I can't learn like new technology. So I just, I don't have, like, I, 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 I've struggled with the air fryer that I got. <laughs> it's like two buttons. <laughs> I, I, um, that's a good one, air fryer. <laughs> yeah, is that does that count? That's a good. Yeah. Like, I figured that out finally, and that, that thing is amazing. Um, I'm like, like turning into that person too. What do you like to cook in your air fryer? Uh, steak and chicken and baked potatoes, dude. It makes like awesome baked potatoes. I've never tried that. Oh, it is so good. Put it, dude, put in forty-five minutes at four hundred. And you don't have to do like all that like different like prep work and stuff, dude. Uh, it's it's great. You don't have to like wrap and boil and poke holes in that shit. Yeah. You just throw the shit in there. 45 minutes at 400 degrees, and it's like, it's got a crispy, crispy skin on the outside, it's all fucking real, dude. I'm gonna try that. I use mine for chicken nuggets a lot. <laughs> it's, a, it's an amazing little device. So, it really is, it makes them fast, and it's like, dude, it cooks steak, like, better than I can, like, on the grill or anything. Yeah. Like, the, it, You've done such perfect steaks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, it's great. That's it's, good it's so good. So that's my answer. Because other than that, the only thing I really have is like a laptop and an iPhone. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know how to do anything. Oh, I will say actually uh, one thing. Like if you want to like say like apps um, uh, for like my videos and stuff, I use Video Leap. Video Leap is one of my favorite uh, for like making movies and stuff. It's like you um, like when I made that like that that promo video for the Funny Bone only a long time ago. Like like the whole thing was just done like on my phone. Um, and like it's got so many different like, options you can use. It's like if iMovie was like actually good, you know. And um, it just like there's so many different things you can do with it. And it took me forever to figure out how to how to how to use it and stuff and kind of perfect it. But like once I did, it's like it's great. Is it's it a cheap thing? Yeah, it's it's pretty cheap though. Um, I mean, I think you, there's a free version, but like you got to pay to get like the uh, all the bells and whistles and stuff, you know. But yeah, that's a good one. That's good one. Um, yeah, we might have to check that out because I do a lot of videos on my phone. Um, what's your favorite song of all time or your favorite song lately? Ooh, okay. Oh, okay. Um, I got to go. Let's see. Probably of all time, I would have to say What I Got by Sublime. Um, that's really good. And then, favorite song lately? Don't you have a tattoo of that or something? Just, I mean, I have the Sublime Sun, yeah, I have that, I have that on me, but, um, there's one lately, um, I don't know, I, uh, I don't know if I have, like, something that's come out recently, or just something that, like, I, that you've been listening to recently, um, could be old, yeah, uh, could be an album, you know, I mean, it's stupid to say Def, like, Def Tones are already my favorite band of all time, but, like, I'm, I'm still, like, I guess, like, just going through the old albums, like, I, like, rekindled my love for uh, the White Pony album lately, and I've just been listening to that over and over again. Um, I actually, I'm usually not into this kind of music at all, but The Weeknd's last album was, like, really, really good. I was really into that. And then um, Oliver, Oliver Tree. Oliver Tree's new album is absolutely incredible. So it's a, it's a masterpiece. So you don't want to stop. I mean, he's like, I don't know. He's what like, kind of music is he making? It's like, man, it's like a mix. It's like indie, hip hop, rock. Uh, dude, I mean, it's it's hard to explain. It's it's definitely like not a, a like standard. He just mixes a whole bunch of different things. It's it's hard to explain. But like Oliver Tree, uh, he put uh, what's the name of the album? Uh, oh, Ugly is Beautiful is the name of the album, and it is, it's, yeah. That's, That's like Jelly Oak. He's that place that he's beautiful. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He is, no, it's, it's, oh. He's got like a little snaggle tooth. Oh, I love it. I love your snaggle tooth. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I know that you have a health routine because I've seen you in the gym getting it. Um, what's your, uh, and you used to be super, not that you're not jacked anymore because you're getting back there, but you used yeah, to be like, a bodybuilder. Really, used to be like, yeah, no one ever, yeah, no one ever believes me. Did you compete in bodybuilding? Uh, I was so like, I was getting ready for my first competition whenever I discovered comedy. And like, oh, I, was, I was probably like th two or three months out from. Because like, you showed me pictures of you when you were like 
big, like, like yeah, just huge arms. Yeah, I used to. Yeah, but because I'm like naturally so skinny, and it like took so long to get up to that. And then once I stopped, like, because when I, my first open mic, I was immediately like, yeah, I'm, I'm good, you know. So like, uh, <laughs> fuck that, I'm doing this. And um, I didn't know you. And. I mean, within a few months, like, I went, like, just, like, shriveled back down, um, and so, like, you know, I'm just, like, naturally very skinny, so whenever I tell people I used to be bodybuilder, they're, like, bullshit, and then, um, but, yeah, I just, you know, especially, like, during the pandemic, you know, nothing else to do, so I was just, like, all right, I'm just gonna start doing that again, um, what about, so you, so you've been lifting since? Yeah, 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 so what is your routine, yeah. um, like so like I bet so like I, there was like a very specific meal plan and uh, gym routine whenever I was uh, training for the competition and so what I'm doing now is basically just a loose version of that I like I know what I'm supposed to do and I attempt it I never really get to those goals like every week you know especially like diet wise you know because I still want to like enjoy the food I'm eating because like that was dude I was miserable whenever I was like training for that competition what did you eat? Just like the standard stuff, like chicken, chicken rice, broccoli, but it's like, but like the the macros are like so specific that it's like you can't even like season like your food uh, yeah. to like pass like you know like the tiniest little bit. Can't and use like oil sti- or butter, right, can't, yeah, can't use oil or butter. This is like this super steak. low fat. You know, like I eat pota- like if I eat a baked potato, like I wouldn't be able to put like butter and shit on it. It's just, yeah. like, it's just like this is fucking awful. So. Um, so like I, I I try to like follow a loose version of that while still like at least like enjoying the food that I'm eating. So I'm not like training for a competition or anything. I don't have any like I don't have any specific goals. I'm just I'm just like I just miss like the challenge of it, you know. Yeah. So um so I'm just doing um yeah, kinda like that. Mm-hmm. So like I try to like I have like a spe- like I'm not going like down like straight like macros and weighing food, but like um, so like the loose version, like I have a specific amount of protein and carbs and fats. I try to hit every day, eat my greens, drink a lot of water. And then, you know, just like back to the old, same old supplements. Um, and then, uh, you know, I take fish oil every day, and, uh, creatine, drink BCAs while I'm working out, uh, whey protein. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know. I'm, 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 I'm getting so dumb. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just funny. Um, Sam has lost like. How many pounds? 40? Yeah. Since we started dating? Nice. I've gained a little bit of hand Yeah. <laughs> we don't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cut that out. That's not true. <laughs> that's, that's not true. But, uh, and then, yeah, and I'm in the gym like probably like five, six days a week. Um, and just hit like, I, I do, like some people like to mix like big stuff, but like I just go really hard on one muscle group each, each day. And, and then, yeah. So you call that a bro split, right? Where it's like like arm day, shoulder day, chest day, back day. I've never heard that. Is that a bro split? I, 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 had a I, I mean, I'm sure it is. I've never heard gotten that. into all kinds of Dude, language. I, there's I'm so there's a whole um, community of people that are into this natty or not. And it's, uh, Have you heard of that? They take a look at somebody's physique and they try to tell if they're on steroids or not. <laughs> oh, okay. And... Um, there's a lot of fake natties, they call them. It's like people who are trying to sell you their programs and stuff online, and they claim that they're natural, but they're like clearly not pure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pretty much everyone's on steroids, and people just oh, yeah. talk about it. 
Yeah, there's a yeah. I mean, most people that do like you know concerts and stuff, um, do that. Did uh, you ever go? To yeah, that? yeah, yeah. I did. Uh, I did once, and then. Um, I'm glad I'm glad I um I'm glad I kinda got out of that before I ended up doing more than one cycle of that because like uh, now like years later like the people who were doing that stuff with me and like continued to continue to do it, I've like seen how like the long term effects it's had on them. And I'm like, oh yeah. So like, I'll take what's like, happening. Or go ahead. Uh, just like um, one one of my friends. Um, I, I would say it was like a friend, just like someone I knew, like went to the gym. Like he was taking so much. Like he was like doing it so much that um, he ended up getting like alopecia, and just like all of his hair just like fell off his well. like not just like his hair. Like I mean, he has no eyebrow hair. He has no hair on his head. No hair on his body. No yeah. hair of any kind anywhere. I didn't even know I could do that. Yeah, there's a lot of different things. I thought it mainly just um, can mess up your like uh, reproductive. That too. It, it can literally have like any side effects. There's there's right. lots of different side effects. Yeah, yeah. it can just take a real real heavy toll on your body. But I mean, you can still. Uh, I'm not just like uh, advocating for steroids or anything like that. You could still like everything in moderation. If you were like, you have to, if you're going to do it, it's not like you can't do it at all. You just have to be very scarce about it. But like right. people get so greedy and will just do it just like constantly. Yeah. You know? yeah. And you know, and they uh, get so big and it's a weird thing. Cause it's so frowned upon by like society, but it's really common. And it's actually like not that, like you said, it, like it's not that bad if you are in moderation. Right. Like personally, I'd rather just take like, like more like natural testosterone boosters and stuff like you can yeah. get like you know clean like healthy stuff from you know, i mean you're gonna actually feel to think it's something that helps with that right? yeah that's a well that's a common that's a common um ingredient in a lot of test yeah. boosters and stuff yeah. um, and those don't like have you know those like negative side effects or anything right you know? and you're not going to get quite the same awesome results as you would with steroids but i mean it's definitely a way healthier and safer route to go. Right. And for Just someone like you or me. Have you seen people like, like roid rage at all? Like that's what I always hear about. Um, it's like people get like so, really like yeah. pain, right? <laughs> <laughs> that was so cute. <laughs> um, uh, uh, I, I think, I mean, there's definitely, I've seen people at the gym who like, I would guess were on steroids and would like, um, I don't know. They would just like they have like sort of like an attitude. I haven't seen like like you know like get into a fight at the gym or anything, but like they would kind of like walk around with this sort of like attitude, like they were already sort of like irritable and stuff, or like someone would be on a machine they're trying to get to and just be like, <laughs> like you would be all like pissed off and yeah. everything. Which um, I've heard. But I haven't seen. I haven't seen any like crazy displays of. of I saw a guy yesterday. <laughs> Sure. But I've also heard that it's like if you're already like an angry person, you yes, can just exacerbate it depending on the compound that you take. <laughs> it's funny, I've, I've like tried to learn so much about it, even though I never want to do it. <laughs> it's just it interesting. Was, yeah, research, yeah, it's fun to research. Actually, there was one guy that like it wasn't like in the gym, but I happened in a situation with a dude who I'm pretty sure it was Roy Rage. Like me and my buddies were driving, and he, this guy like cut us off. And my friend flipped him off and he sped up and like 
got in front of us and stopped the car and like got I mean dude the dude was fucking like clearly disturbed. I mean he was massive and he got out I mean he was, he was all fl- like red you know flushed face and stuff and like he gets out and he's like hit like my friend like walked the door you know and we were only like 16 at the time we're like these 16 old scrawny little kids you know like, get out of the fucking car he's like hitting the doors like get out of the fucking car you stupid pussies I'll fucking kill you <laughs> oh my god we're like well yeah we're definitely getting out of the car now <laughs> yeah. Yeah. like what like we're gonna be like oh well since you said Yes. Did you ask? Are you gonna kill us? Well then, yeah. Let me. Let me do for you real quick. Um, so we just like waited for him to find. And you know his girlfriend in the car like, stop it, Jim! It's not worth it. Stop it! Get back in the car. <laughs> there's always to every like boy out do like that. There's always gotta be that like super skinny. Blonde, like platinum hair, fucking chick yelling at them. They're like, it's not worth it. Jim, stop. Get back in the car. It's not worth it. Don't do anything. It's like, it's like why they have them there. It's like, it's not even a girlfriend. It's just like they're little, like, little, I don't know, just someone to keep them in check. It's not worth it. Don't hurt them. It's like they're. Ch- What's that thing where it's like, I think it was Key and Peele, like the anger translator. Yeah, it's, it's like, like the opposite yeah, it's of that. Like, it's like the pussy <laughs> translator, like something. The, the soft emotion translator. <laughs> That's fucking funny. Um, can, can, oh, sorry, go on. You can ask more about that. We can talk about it later. Um, my next topic is fashion. What is a typical uh, thing you would wear <laughs> for <a> casual? <laughs> <laughs> for a casual occasion, and then what's a typical thing you wear for a more dress up? Uh, well, I can uh, tell you one thing: I don't dress up, so that's <laughs> no, my first answer will answer both of those. Um, I, uh, I mean, in the winter, like this is like I don't know, like sweatpants and a, a sweatshirt and a, a denim jacket over it, um, or like if I'm doing like a show, I'll wear jeans and a t-shirt um like nice jeans a nice t-shirt at least um what made uh, you want to grow out your hair i just i don't know something to do um <laughs> i also well uh no I, I should say that i actually do have a real reason um i so like you know like i still always wear a hat and i i wore a hat for five years like just i never went out with that hat for about five years that's because i have like uh, I've a really bad social anxiety, mm-hmm. and um, it's actually something that I um, I didn't even know this was a thing until after I started wearing a hat. But like I sort of like felt that when I wore a hat, I was more comfortable in social situations, especially around people I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And apparently, um, that's actually kind of a, a common thing that I learned um, that uh, like you feel vulnerable. That hat. It's almost like when we wear a hat, it's like kind of like a helmet or like something shielding you. Oh. And um, I talked to someone who, uh, well, I like I I met someone else who had that kind of same issue, and um, his therapist had told him, which he uh, he didn't end up doing, but his therapist told him like uh, you can also grow your hair out, and it feels like you have something like kind of like secure, you know, like something around you. Um, so I grew my hair out and it, um, I, I just slowly like weaned myself off the hat. I like, especially through the pandemic, cause like I would even wear my hat at home 
Like it, it, was, it was like a like it was like a security thing. Like even when mm -hmm. and like it stopped being just for public places. Like I had to wear a hat like even indoors by myself. And so um, I through the pandemic that was kind of like my one of my goals was to like kind of like clean myself off that. So like I stopped wearing it. I don't think I ever even noticed that you wore a hat all the time. Really? Yeah. I never didn't have a backwards hat. For all your... Sh oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, backwards. I, was, I, was, I was imagining it I just remember you having really nice hair that, like, laid, like, the perfect Justin Bieber, like, <laughs> silky... Yeah. Um, That's so interesting. So, I... Yeah, so I just did... Um, uh, and then I just, like, slowly moved myself back. And then, like, once the pandemic was over, I think I went out... The first time I went back out, I wore my hat. And then I was like, all right, I'm going to commit to this. And just no matter how uncomfortable I was, I am like, I'm just going to stick to it. Like, um, I didn't even bring my, like the first couple times, like I brought my hat with me, I get in the car just to have it because I freaked out. Um, and then I, and it helped that like the first few times I was going to like open mics where I'm like surrounded by people I know, you know, so it wasn't have too much anxiety, but like, um, but yeah, now I, um, now I don't even think about it. Um, I just sort of had to like get myself over that hump. And um, I also, I think like, I mean, I think that was a help too, but the other big thing was that I started meditating and I think that really helped a lot. That helped with my anxiety in general. So I think that kind of carried over into the social anxiety thing. Mm -hmm. um, I started doing TM back in uh, last November. So that helped a lot. Awesome. I remember you talking about that on stage. Yeah, transparency that was so cool. It, it it's great. It's I highly recommend it. It's I've never uh, tried game changer specific. I what think this it? pandemic what? has made my social anxiety worse because I um I'm just not putting myself out there as much. Mm -hmm. And so once you're not putting yourself like in those social situations as much, you then when you get in a social situation you're like, I forgot how to do this. You know what I mean? That's yeah, fine. no, I can see that for sure. Um, I'm, I mean, I've always, I've always just been like that, so I just, uh, that doesn't really change. But um, yeah, it. Um, <laughs> she's licking she, them. She's I forgot what the original question was. So oh, I was about what you were. Yeah. My dog sometimes uh, licks like the floor and the wood. Like, I just, she's like right by the camera. Going, oh. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, I've actually heard a lot, like, um, well, for one, when I was at Christian camp when I was little, we, like, would raise enough money for for this guy to, like, shave his head. He had, like, really long hair, and he cried when we shaved it. And so I feel like there What is the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> what kind of hazy, like, crazy ritual practices? This is a cult? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> That's so casually like that is a weird fucking story, dude. <laughs> Let's back up a second. Well, we did a lot of weird stuff at church camp. Yeah, oh, I can imagine. Um, yeah. Well, no, he was one of the counselors, so it's not like we were like shaving a little kid's head. But it's a funny way to do a church camp. I know, but it's like you raised money so that you could shave this poor guy's head who clearly didn't want it, and he's crying during it. You're like, ah, oh, this is for Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> what? How did you grow up? We do this. 
Did you, what kind of school did you go to? Very small school. About 400 people. Oh, I wanted to ask, what what is, like, because I meditate, but I don't I don't think it's TM. Like, what does what does it consist of? Like transcendental meditation. Uh, you get a uh, well. You transcend. Um, you get um, well. You have to go through like a four day course, and then you are given um, a mantra, and you. Um, it's hard to explain. I can't just really like explain it uh, perfectly without you know you like kind of learning from him. But I mean, uh, in a general sense, you just. Um, you know, you close your eyes, you get comfortable, and you repeat this mantra um, over and over in your head until it just sort of like uh, it's a thought more than you actually saying it. Um, you're just repeating the thought, and then it kind of just just relax. I don't know. It's 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 hard to like. It's no, supposed to be like a safe word that whenever you say it, it takes you to a safe place, right? No, no, no. That's something else. Yeah, uh, that's called. Uh, Rape victim uh, therapy. No. Uh, this girl I watched, she said her word is charcuterie. And she, charcuterie. And it's supposed to be a word that has no meaning to no, you. No, mantra isn't just a word, though. I guess it could be. But it's, isn't it like a phrase most of the time? I mean, it can be like, uh, I am uh, here or no. something like that. <laughs> no, no. Uh, it's, there. it's there's, there's a. <laughs> I mean, it could, it could be a phrase. Uh, in our sense, it's um, it's not even a word. It's just like um, a few like kind of like random letters, like sounds. Like my, mine's not even like a real oh. word. Oh, um, okay. That and sense. you just kind of you repeat it uh, over and over, and you kind of like you have to like you kind of like it's just like teaching yourself to let go. And yeah. you just sort of, you basically enter the REM cycle of sleep without going to sleep, you know. Um, and it's, yeah, it's very uh, healing and um, uh, comforting and relaxing and kind of just, the first time I did it and I like, it actually worked. Because it took, even after the course, it took me probably a couple weeks to really get the hang of it. Because, like, the idea of, like, not doing something to get somewhere is very can be really difficult to grasp like just the idea of letting go yeah. um is really difficult like you um because you just have sort of like expectations like my whole thing was like i was just like thinking like okay if i do this then like this is what i'm gonna feel i'm gonna get here blah 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 and I'm like, i was like waiting for it to happen and because i was waiting for something to happen nothing ever happened and then when I finally dropped my expectations, it was like, okay, well, nothing's going to happen. Then it happened, you know? It's really, it's a really difficult um, uh, thing to grasp sometimes. But, like, when it finally, I finally got the hang and I grasped it, like, you, I could just, like, it felt like, it felt like my anxiety was, like, I was covered in dirt and someone was, like, using a power washer and just, like, I could just feel it, like, washing off, like, physically yeah. feel my anxiety, like, just like washing off of me and um it's uh yeah I, I was just talking to my friend like i because i've never tried that but i meditate all, like, every day and, um it, it's like I, I we were trying to figure out how to say that because it's like not it's like the absence of like trying but it's like letting versus trying almost like you said like you're not like having to do something it's more like you're having to like stop doing everything kind of right you know? it sounds like this i don't know I, I was struggling like how to explain it. 
Yeah, it's, and then so you also, it also gives you the ability to be more interesting than all your friends. You know, you <laughs> you're a better person than them. You can yeah. you know, relay your experience and then tell them why they suck because they're not doing uh, transcendental meditation yeah. like you. That's and, you know, it really gives you a one up uh, in, in the room. You know, it yeah. makes you the better person. Because I, I can relate with that. I always tell Shane that she needs to meditate more and that you know, she I'm better than her because I meditate. <laughs> it's true, he is, actually. Um, but you're even better than me because you do TM. So you, yeah, so. I mean, I don't there's, even. There's a level. There's there, there's levels. There's a hierarchy. <laughs> yeah, there's a very clear hierarchy. <laughs> um, this is a fun question. Oh, cute. I'm a fun question. <laughs> so, um, if you could have any celebrity be your girlfriend, who would it be? John Stamos. <laughs> um, any celebrity be my girlfriend? Oh, um, I think I would pick. Um, I don't know. Right now, like really into Brie Larson. She is yow. Um, That's actually it's, it's like Brie Larson that. is the last girl we had on our podcast. She looks like Brie Larson. I thought you said she's the, the last girl we have. Plus, we have like, whoa, was Brie Larson? Um, um, would you ever, would you ever date another comedian, or have you ever? Fuck no, dude. That's a t- <laughs> you're just asking for trouble, dude. I just, I mean, there are people who like that. Would do, be weird. There are people who do it, but I, I could not. And like a lot of people who do, do it. Like once they get out of the relationship, they're like, I'm never doing that again. Um, it's, it's weird. Um, I can't, I can, like, I, can just see, career, I, can, I can just see all the problems that could evolve from that. Um, yeah. and there are people who do it successfully and are fine. You think just competition or something? I, I, like for me personally, like I could just, yeah, I could see that and you could, I could just see there being times when, um, one of them gets on a show and the other person, one, one of them gets something the other person didn't and then like there being that sort of like, then you're like living with that person and like uh, maybe one person being a lot better at comedy than the other and the other person like kind of just like constantly trying to ride their coattails and right. stuff and like that being awkward and um, I don't know, there's just a lot that would go into it that I could not handle. Um, and you, I, I could just see like like I could just see like uh, if I was dating someone that was a comedian and then just constantly having every day like okay listen is this funny like especially if you live with the person then always being like right is this funny and you have to pretend it's funny because it's your girlfriend and, uh, <laughs> yeah if, like if this is a friend I'll be like no that fucking sucks like because uh, you can't but like I don't know I I could just see and then like then like always wanting help. Uh, and so someone... you fake laugh at all my jokes. Jeez. It's funny because you've shown me some of the jokes you've written down, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Some of them I thought were funny, but some of them I was like, mm. he's been honest with me. Yeah. <laughs> but I get. I mean, I just. I'm not a comedian at all. But like, if someone did the same job that I do, and like, just on that level, the competition level, I could be. I don't know. It could be so toxic. Like, yeah, I would but be, like, one day he did come him. home and he was like, "What if we work together like Jim and Pam?" <laughs> I was like, "Okay, no, that would never happen." Yeah. So he did have that thought. Yeah. Um, so the next thing we're gonna, the last kind of like icebreaker type question was, um, 
about like a favorite book, video, or film that introduced an idea to you. But it, I mean, I think talking about the TMs, that sounded like just an idea or practice that like really changed your life. But I think we kind of covered that. <laughs> yeah. Unless there's like another book or movie that like an idea that you heard at some point in your life that really impacted you that is notable that you want to mention. I don't know. Um, the subtle art of not giving a fuck. That is a, I finished that recently and I'm a huge fan. Uh, it's a really, really great book. It, um, it makes a lot of great points and it's, it's funny and um, easy to read. You can get through it pretty quickly, but um, it makes a very powerful statement without being like really like heavy, heavy reading. Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely recommend that. I, I think get Maddie that. mentioned that in the last podcast, so maybe we should do that for our next. I always like get emails about it from like um, Audible and like my Kindle. Like they're always like, "Oh, yeah, you'd like this book, you know?" Like, yeah, I have it. You can borrow it. I was just sitting on my bookshelf. Oh yeah, it's really good. I've heard other people doing that. Cool. Um, okay, to uh, kind of switch gears. So uh, I wanted to just kind of talk about like. What, what it was like growing up for you and kind of what you were like as a kid. So okay. where, where, did, where did you grow up? I know that that's different for you. You lived in a few different places, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it was weird. Uh, <laughs> let's, uh, let's get real with it. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I had a weird childhood. Uh, I grew up in a cult. And uh, I know I'm making fun of you for like <laughs> doing the Christian thing, but like there I didn't say much because I actually did grow up in a cult. What uh, was the cult? Um, it was, they were called, well, I mean, you never, like, you, it was such a small, uh, I guess, well, I guess we, we were a chapter of it, but, um, it's such a small group, uh, that you, even if you tried to look, find them online, you'd never be able to, but they're called the, um, Reformers of the Covenant, and, uh, it's very strict, very weird cult, and then, so my dad was a doomsday, my dad was a doomsday prepper. Uh, back before the show about it, you know, back before it was cool, <laughs> and uh, and he, um, you know, during Y two K, all those like religious fringe groups were out there saying like this is the end of the uh, world and stuff, and um, my dad, you know, like kind of like believed that, and he, um, I he got involved with them somehow, you know, I was still pretty young, and then he ended up, you know, like selling our house, we moved all the way to. Arkansas, um, in the middle. So I'm originally from California. Uh, I said in, um, I've been Arkansas, New York, um, St. Louis. Was it um, San Diego or? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How old were you? That's why you guys sold your house and then moved. Mm -hmm. How September. old were you when you moved to Arkansas? Uh, six. And then, um, uh, or no, yeah, yeah, six. Uh, Cause it was like right before YTK was supposed to happen. And then, um, Arkansas, New York. was it New York City? Or, or I was five about to turn. I was like, I was like almost six. No, Arkansas six. State. Yeah. No, I said Arkansas, and then you said New York, New York City, or? Uh, upstate, upstate New York, yeah. And, um, but the, the cold thing was in Arkansas. So we like, we lived in the woods in the middle of nowhere in Southern Arkansas. And I mean, had no idea what we we're doing. So we're like, you know, city people are like moving out to the middle of nowhere and stuff. And, uh, my dad is, my dad's like trying to adapt to this, um, you know, country life and stuff. And, uh, uh, you know, he like turned the, there was like a fallout shelter or like he turned this like attic cellar thing into a fallout shelter, um, put like 
a ton of the, like powdered foods, you know, stuff and all these supplies. He like tried to build a He bought horses. I don't know why. <laughs> we came to the city. We had no fucking clue how to work a horse, dude. Like, this sounds kind of fun. This is so. <laughs> dude, we had no. Dude, horses are smarter than they give. We give them credit for, dude. Like they. They know what's, what's going on. They knew we did not know what we were doing. Like they, <laughs> oh, yeah. They, they blatantly disrespected us, dude. Like, they would, this, I swear to God, no lie. They would, they would walk up on our porch and, like, look at us through the window and, like, shit on our porch while staring us <laughs> just directly in the eyes. Dude, like, it, it was like, it was like a horse giving you the finger without being able to It's like, dude, they're so metal. Like, they did not give a fuck. Like, they were, they were off. Uh, no, they can't, like, sense your feet, like, I, I've never known this, but when you like approach them, if you're like all nervous and you are, oh, I don't know how to, they like know that you are like, like, remember when we wrote, yeah. Uh, yeah, they knew that we were like, I had no idea what we were doing. And um, um, so you were just sick. Were you guys living in like homes or was it like trailers? Or no, 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 dude, it was, I mean, dude, we had, we didn't have neighbors for miles, dude. It was just way out in the middle of nowhere, you know, like in the woods. Um, and so, and was that um, with other so people my dad, of the chapter? No, 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 that was just our family. Okay. Um, but we were like still part of the like, group. And like, um, other families would come and like stay with us for a little while and then kind of leave. And were you um, going to school or? I had to be homeschooled. That was one of the, that was one of the um, rules of the, of the cold. You weren't even supposed to associate uh, really with. Um, people outside of the cult. Um, but did we, they position themselves? We still did. Like we, and my like my dad had been excommunicated from it. Um, but what? Did they position themselves as Christians? Yeah, or like or like they... a really like extreme form of Christianity. Yeah. And I don't know. Like I I freak, I don't remember a whole lot about it. I like I spent most of my teenage years like just like trying to forget about that part. Um, about all that, but um, I mean, I remember it being very strict. I mean, dude, it was it was weird though. Like, you, if you were flying on the wall, dude, you would think you were worshiping Satan. Like on Sunday, like on Sundays, like the um, the women like had to wear um, headdresses, like veils or whatever, and you like sing these like really weird like monotone hymns, and it was just very dark. It was like I don't know. It was like it wasn't like an uplifting like like when you go to like to a church, you know, and like people are like happy singing. It's like very it's like a very dark solemn. They do that uh, in the Catholic Church. They sing, um, like, these very, like, at least one time when I went to a Catholic Church, the priest was, like, singing this hymn that sounded like this, and it was really weird. <laughs> I don't know. I've never been to a Versus, like, but... the Christian churches I go to, it's, like, a rock concert kind of thing. Right, so it's yeah, like I've been to one of those before. Um, but... And so... So, okay, so you're in Arkansas, and then kind of what was the next step so there? Uh, well, then, you know, sorry to spoil it for you, but Y2K didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> I know you guys are like, I was just going to watch it. Like, sorry. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it didn't happen. Uh, and then um, that um, pretty much caused, like, the, so then my mom, um, it's, it's, it's really weird. So, like, my mom and I would, and my sisters, I would, like, Move because my parents were never actually like married, married, they're just like together because I was an accident. And um, she would like, I don't know, they just like hated each other. And my mom would like move away, and I would like move, like we moved to New York, uh, like a while, and then we like came back and stuff. And then she like finally 
um, a few years later, like finally, like just like did the whole thing once and for all and separated from them. And then um, we moved to um, St. Louis. We like in, in everywhere we went, we moved like several times in between and stuff and moved back and forward and stuff. And then um, wow. we finally planted in St. Louis for good. And um, yeah, that's another How old were you at that when you started so, uh, Twelve. So you were were you moving like several times per year? Uh like yeah, depend depending uh yeah. depending on the year. Yeah. And do your grandparents live in Arkansas? <laughs> hmm? Do your grandparents live in Arkansas or something? Not anymore. Uh, I, uh yeah. I remember that from a joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my dad actually had also convinced my grandparents like he'd convinced my grandparents that that was gonna happen. They moved down there too. Um and then but then they just ended up staying there, uh because they liked it. And then um, when it did happen, a few years ago, they actually did uh, end up moving. When it, when Y two K didn't happen, was your dad or people in the cult like were they like? I don't know. What was their reaction? Were they? I mean, they. I for, I, I don't. They like pissed it didn't happen. Again, I was still like I was still very young, so like yeah. I wasn't like super involved in it. You know, yeah, most of it is just most of it. Yeah, it's. Uh, most of it I can't remember anything. Like, <laughs> six, so right. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, when I would have been like I would have been seven. But by, by that time, like, why did he actually happen? Because, like, you know, right. we moved there, you know, a while before to get everything prepared and everything. Um, wow. So, um, obviously, you know, there was a lot of tension in the family. Like, there was a huge, huge, huge life decision, <laughs> and it was just to be wrong about. And, um, uh, yeah. yeah, so. Were you, and as a kid, like, <clears throat> what, what were you, like, into? Did you have, were you into, like, sports or, I don't know? Music or obviously yeah, you like um, music a lot. I mean, I uh, I mean, yeah, normal, normal kid. So I mean, I was still a normal kid. Like, here's the thing is that like while that was going on, like I was still I felt like a pretty normal kid who like knew that I was in like something. Was, this is weird, you know. Like yeah, I didn't, yeah. I didn't like take much at face value, you know. I was yeah. like, I like I don't belong here. <laughs> like this is this is this shit's weird, and I'm not into it. And um, so you had to be pretty like independent thinker all the time. Yeah, and I, I like, like I really never I would like because I knew I'd get in trouble if I tried to like you know say like uh, this is all bullshit. <laughs> but I, um, I just like I never as a kid like always I was always saying to myself I was like I don't believe it. like this is not real. I don't, I'm not into this. Yeah. So, <laughs> Were so, you, were you, this is such a corny question, but were you like a class clown type kid? Like, did you enjoy like making oh, people laugh a lot? For sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, which I know is like a cliche like, kind of thing, but yeah, definitely. Like I, any chance I got, that was all I was ever, yeah. all When did you first know you wanted to start thinking about doing stand-up? Um, the, the first time I witnessed a stand-up, like the first time I saw, you know, what's crazy is the first time I ever like discovered, like saw what it, I was at a friend's house and he had uh, Comedy Central on and um, I had like, I had heard of stand-up comedy, but I still had never like seen it before. And the first time I actually saw a stand-up set was Brian Scalaro, who ended up being the first person that I opened for at a club. Wow. Years later, yeah, wow. yeah, I saw a special when I was well, I was like nine. Um, That's I was so like cool. nine, nine or ten. I, I saw him on TV, 
And then at 22, when I was 22, I opened for him. Uh, it was my first week at a club. And just happened, it just so happened. That's like incredible. that's who it was. It was crazy. Uh, yeah, life's weird like that. But um, yeah, so it was. Dude, there's so much stuff. Like, there's so much to you that I'm like, I'm realizing I don't know. I, mean, I don't know. It's just, you have such an interesting I mean, story. So deep. Just, no, it's just crazy. <laughs> I mean, I'm like an onion. There's just layers. There is, man. There is, you know? There is. It's awesome. I mean, it's just so cool hearing this stuff. Um, <laughs> so cool you're into stuff. No, oh, okay, I said hearing this stuff. Oh, hearing this stuff. I thought it was just so cool you're into stuff. I was like, no. no. So cool you're into stuff. Yeah, you're I into stuff. stuff. I love stuff. Yeah, it's just, you know, people don't usually know that about me, but I really like stuff. Um, um, but so, so when was the first like open mic you did? Uh, it was 20, February of 2014. And how old were you? Twenty. So my my seven year comedy anniversary is coming up in a couple months. Um, and uh, what were you doing at the time? I know you were doing the bodybuilding. Yeah, I was doing the bodybuilding, and uh, so like my friend from high school uh, was going up there doing open mics, and I heard about that, and then I saw him at a party, and like I and like I walked up on him like talking to someone else about it, and like I've been I mean dude since I was a kid I've been writing. Jokes. I, I was trying to remember it uh, actually just the other day because I remember like as a kid I would always go online and just research I mean like I just love jokes I would go onto websites and look at like the Yo Mama jokes blonde jokes just like all those kind of I mean I would just read for hours I would just read jokes <laughs> and I was obsessed with it like and I was like it was just like it was such a because like I loved writing but I never like knew like um, what kind of like, I would write like short stories, I would write songs, like all this stuff, lyrics for songs and stuff like this. And like, I always loved writing, but like, I never felt like I was like writing exactly what I want to. And then I discovered jokes, I was like, this is like, this is amazing. And I was just so that I remember I wrote my first joke when I was like, I was like maybe like eight, and it was a blonde joke. I can't remember. It had something to do with a remote control. That's all I remember. I, I was trying so I was racking my brain the other day trying to remember what it was. I just remember something about remote control. And I can't remember it now. But um, so I mean, I mean, just for years, I would just I had a like a. I'm so glad the blonde joke thing faded away. Oh yeah. When I was little. Like, oh my god. Was, I yeah, was those really are huge. Those are huge. It's like I got it all day, every day. Blonde jokes was, and your mom Like anytime too. I like raise yeah. my hand to ask a question in math class, like it followed me. Like even in high school, people would be like, "Oh, great!" But it was like a, it was about blonde, blonde girls, right? Because I was blonde as a kid, but I feel like people didn't make that. No, it was a blonde girl thing. It was like it was a blonde, blonde girl thing. Yeah, and yeah. my dad, he even like was always like, when we forgot something. <laughs> your dad still had like, blonde jokes about your mom. <laughs> blonde, right? Yeah. <laughs> Never gave it up. Does, dude. And like we forget something in the house or something, we gotta go back to get it. It's like dumb bones. <laughs> <laughs> like this follows me around. I dyed my hair in high school, and I was so like I dyed it really dark, and I was like, I just want to freaking get rid of this whole dumb blonde thing. Because <laughs> then you start acting dumb because people think you're dumb, and it's just like you yeah, know. Well, uh, yeah. um, so, <laughs> no, you, dude, you're. I, I'm just amazed. Sorry, to interrupt you. It's like a. 
like you're such a comedian to the bone. I mean, I don't know. Like, I bet that sounds weird, but like, <laughs> but you have like, it's like, I almost feel like, like you know how like, uh, like, Whoa. A, like, 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 you know how like superhero movies, like they have like origin story and it's like, Oh, and he was like, whatever. Like, that's how I feel like he is, but like the comedian version. Uh, it's yeah, like, it's like if you created a comedian, like, like, you know, like somebody wanted to create the perfect comedian, it's like, this is how he's going to live his life, you know? But then I mean, you wrote a joke when you're eight, and like... Well, like, and their stereotypes like, of comedians are always like tortured souls, you know? And uh, like, yeah, you definitely had some like... Weird. Well, just having like... Crazy shit. Crazy happen. shit, I feel like that's right. such a common thing. That's usually, yeah, that's usually where it stems from. Um, but, uh... It's yeah, just cool, I just, um... And then my friend was talking about it, and I was like, I want to come up and try it with you. So then I ended up going up with him. He ended up quitting pretty shortly after, but then I just stuck with it. But then, so like I went up with him and um, yeah, just, I mean, like anyone else does, you just go up for your first open mic and then I just instantly fell in love and just like gave up everything else and just started committing myself to that. Yeah. So you, so were you, like you, when you got that, I mean, it sounds like you kind of had the bug or whatever, but like once you did your first open mic, was it like, like pedal to the metal, like, I mean, I guess. Um, like, well, the first so like. Did you just start going? At first, at, yeah, and at first it was, but then pretty soon after that was when I found out I was having a kid, and so uh, for the next like nine months, I did like nothing but worked just to like say I needed to like save up money, you know, to like have a kid. So I didn't get to for like the first like year. Um, I didn't get to do comedy very much, which is why it's like it's always like weird to say like it's seven years since my first open mic, but it's like six years since I, like really, cause like after, like a couple months after my son was born and his mother and I broke up, uh, and I was just kind of my own, on my own to do what I wanted. Um, that was when I like, I really like uh, hit the grindstone and just fucking uh, took off with it. And so it's been like six years that I've been like really like, um, actually like giving it my all. Yeah. So what's a what's a week look like in terms of like your com- comedic process like? Um, oh man, that's like before COVID. Let's say. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it depends. On uh, so I mean, you're just trying. I mean, it's just everything with practice makes perfect. I mean, stage time is king. I mean, you gotta get up on stage as much as you possibly can. And I thought you, I didn't realize who's there. I thought you were trying to touch my leg. Like, <laughs> 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 I'm so sorry. Um, uh, I was like, I could have used that during the cold thing, but that's <laughs> fine. <laughs> um, but, um, so, stage time. Yeah, yeah, stage time is just like, you got to get up on stage as much as physically possible, um, multiple times a night if you can. And, um, uh, you just, I mean, obviously you write as much as possible and then you just gotta, you know, you go, you write something new, you go up on stage and you either, you know, either worse or usually the high majority of the time, something will have legs, but you have to go back home to get our, you know, edit it, uh, rewrite it, whatever. Um, that's why you're like, you're always supposed to, so like I'll always video record myself and also have my phone up there and audio record myself and then I go home and I watch the recording and I listen to the audio recording and kind of see like okay like I don't like that line doesn't make sense or like that that line's not funny I'm gonna take that out uh this is too much you just kind of trim the fat and you just um 
take out what doesn't need to be in there, what wasn't funny, and you just kind of keep in, and you just try to make it everything as punchy as possible, you know? Yeah. So, um, and that's just kind of, yeah, uh, how you have to, have to do it. Um, it's definitely weird. Uh, the pandemic really, like, man, it's been so, it's just messed up my process so much because I had so much time and like I utilized that time and I wrote so much, but now I've had like nowhere to outlet it. And so I like I have like such an abundance of material that I haven't even been able to like try out and see if it's any good yet. And like, I don't know, I'm like, I'm currently definitely on a creative block and I'm hoping it uh, ends soon. Cause like, I would say for like, Usually my like I go in like streaks like all like all like a month where I'm just like every single day I'm writing multiple jokes and like they're working out and I'm doing blah 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 and I'll like go a month where like I can't think of anything and then if I do it's just trash yeah. and like I go off and on but then like during the pandemic I there was like three months straight where like I mean I was just writing constantly I was like coming up with a really good, I mean, I didn't got to try it out but like I knew like as you like yeah. get like further into comedy. Like, you kind of know when you're writing something, when it's going to be good and when it's going to work or not, you know? Um, and I was writing, like, so much good stuff. And then after, like, three months, I just, like, it's just, like, I just hit a brick wall. And, like, I've been, um, yeah, I've not been able to come up with shit lately. But, like, I still have this, like, huge, so, I mean, it'll be fine. Like, I'll eventually get through it. And I have this, once comes back, I have this huge backlog of stuff to, to go through. But um, but it's definitely been it's definitely like throwing me off my game because I'm like I'm not in that same like process of like oh, yeah. writing something, taking it up, editing it, and then like either throwing it away or so putting it into my set. You know, it sounds like one of the most important pieces, like you said, is trying is to try it out. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> actually you can't. You never know. know. Right. I mean, even if you think like even as you get, uh, you become a veteran in the comedy and you you kind of like have a better idea of like what's going to be funny and what's not you still never know until you go up there and, yeah um, you'll still write shit that you're like oh this is going to kill and it bombs and then i have jokes that i like oh yeah so yeah so now i don't really have that like i think that's why i'm like i went through like a long streak of coming up with stuff and now i'm gonna launch you i'm not because i don't have that like my my, my regular routine uh, yeah. i'm just like out of like i don't know it's like it's kind of like um, when you're, it, it's kind of, I mean, it's the same as working out. It's like your mental muscles, so your physical muscles, like you're not into your routine, then you're not gonna, you know, get anywhere, you know? Yeah. So you sort of hit a plateau because I don't have it that much of an outlet and stuff. It's like, I, I was thinking about like the, cause I, I have a lot of jokes written that I actually would never probably take the stage because it doesn't really fit my voice. Mm -hmm. uh, but I still thought they were funny. I was like thinking about like just like making videos of me just like kind of like talking, like saying, like talking about them casually and stuff. Um, but I don't know, like it's just all that kind of stuff. I was doing videos during the pandemic for a while, like the quarantine stories and stuff. And did um, you get on TikTok ever? I did. And I hated it. I quit. I quit <laughs> within like a few weeks. It was awful. I hate that app. When you um... were the kids being mean or something? <laughs> 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 no, like that's what's. Uh, uh, no, I wasn't being bullied. Uh, it wasn't that. I just like I just hated. I just hated everything about it. It was so like. 
Uh, I just, I, I already don't like social media. So, and that is just like the worst version of it. And like, <laughs> just seeing the people on there who are super popular, I was like, they're not doing anything. Like there's no, like the whole idea behind the, the app is, um, is stunting creative ideas and originality. It's just like, you get more popular and get more views and likes and shares or whatever by copying other people's stuff. It's like you have to, because if you want people to see your stuff, you have to follow an algorithm. Right. And it's like, and like, I, you know, like, I'll, I would see yeah, people, I would see people who would make these hilarious, original, creative videos and get like 200 views. And I see someone else who all they do is lip sync something funny that someone else said and they blow the fuck up. So it was like, I, I was like, I don't even want to be a part of this, like, trend of um, people not having their own thoughts or ideas. Yeah. And, like, thinking that that's what you should do to be successful. It's like, Dude, it's, that's just, so, that's it's so just promoting wow. plagiarism. Yeah. You know? And, like, exactly. and like trying to pass it off as your own. It's, it's like, terrible. Yeah. And so I was, I was just off it from the get-go um and and also my videos didn't do well so i was mad <laughs> the real reason no. it takes a while though i, think I don't even i don't care it wasn't even worth it I, and it was like what i at the end of the day like what is that gonna do for me it's like if i i blow up on tiktok and i have a huge following of 16 year olds it's like they can't even come to my show <laughs> you yeah. know yeah. like what, what what am i gonna do with that yeah. and it's like i don't have my my comedy especially as of late like because especially within the last year um my comedy has developed into something completely different because i started being more vulnerable on stage and talking about um the cold talking about y2k talking about like my, my childhood talking about um my um, drug addiction and overdosing and drug dealing and all of that stuff going to jail all those different things i started talking about rather than just like funny observations and like relationship stuff and like whatever like the goof like i used to tell like just like more like goofy lighthearted stories and i started being uh telling more dark personal storytelling and that kind of stuff like that like that that's not going to my, my comedy does not really translate with kids on tiktok you know like that's, that, that's not that kind of <laughs> right and or even if like so those type of kids came to a show like they would not be into that you know yeah um, and like the thing about, I mean, the thing about dark personal storytelling is that it really takes a specific type of audience who can really find themselves fully engaged in that and kind of get on that level because it's not an easy, it is the most difficult type of comedy to get away with. It's, it's tough. It's not easy. And, but I love it. Like, it's like, I feel like I'm doing the type of comedy I'm supposed to do when I do it, even if it doesn't go well. Yeah. And, but when it does go well, it goes great because people kind of like, people really relate to it. Like I started, um, since the, the little bit of time that comedy kind of came back after the lockdown, um, I started telling a story I had, um, about, um, uh, just like, a when I was a speed addict and just like a, a really crazy story I had, um, and like, I felt like 
each time I've told it, it's either bombed or killed. So like, like, and I can tell because like, I can, you know, especially when I can see the audience, I can see people being really confused. Like, I don't know what he's talking about. I've never done drugs in my life. I don't, you know, I have no idea where he's coming from. And then I see the faces of people who, whose eyes like light up when I mention something that they've clearly been through. And then they'll come up to me afterwards. They're like, dude, I, you know, I had my problems with drug addiction. And like, I, like that's, that was perfect. Like you described that perfectly. That's exactly what it feels like. And that's exactly how it was, blah, blah. And I just like, uh, you just conveyed the message perfectly and like, blah, blah. And like, and so like, I, even if that happens less than, um, then like when it bombs, it's still more worth it to me for that because people like coming to a show not expecting to be related to that like perfectly and heavily is uh, especially about something that they wouldn't expect to hear about. Yeah. Um, it's like yeah, it's it's so much more rewarding as a as a comedian. You know? Yeah. And um, so um, oh, I'm so excited. To so hear so I'm stuff. yeah. So I'm like so that like. Those type of audiences, like, you're not going to find that, I don't know, in, like, a the young TikTok uh, age group kind of thing, yeah. you know? So I'm just, like, I'm sort of, uh, about midway through pandemic, I sort of just, I don't know, I've, I've almost given up on social media, and it's, like, I shouldn't, and you really just can't as a comedian, but I'm sort of, like, in a stage where... I'm not as worried about promoting myself as I am just becoming Hell the yeah. specific type of comedian that I want to be, yeah. and like letting that happen organically. Because yeah. I'm, I was so obsessed with social media, especially when I was running my show, and it, it and for good reason. It was necessary. I mean, without that uh, social media presence, I would have never, you know, sold out the funny bone multiple times on Wednesday. You know, right. that never would have happened. If I wasn't like obsessively building up my following, you're good. But, but <laughs> you're um, I was. I was really funny. <laughs> no, I was really good at it. And then uh, everything like it's sort of like what really demotivated me was when they changed the algorithm on Instagram, and I went from getting like six hundred likes on a post to like getting like forty. Dude. And they and like it like that like the whole just the whole idea of like having to relearn shit and like because I already like I told you I'm not tech savvy and I don't like that kind of stuff and but I busted my fucking ass to like figure it out and learn how all that kind of stuff worked on like all the different platforms and everything changed and I was just like that was like the straw that broke the camp like I was just like I'm fucking so how did this oh, oh man and so it's just good. also it's because I, I was literally just thinking as you're talking I was like Wait, how come I haven't seen these short videos you were putting out earlier? And it's because of the fucking algorithm. Because I was like, I was literally about to check. I was like, do I still follow Max? But I haven't seen like any of your posts like in a long ass time. Well, I, I mean, I also haven't posted in a long ass time. But it's just weird because like I've like we DM and I like all your shit. You like my like why would they not show me your posts? I go on Instagram right. a lot. Yeah, and I stopped. I, I stopped. Like I stopped. I stopped seeing both of your posts. Um, and like they What's they like started showing me. And that was the thing is that like what really bothered me is like I stopped seeing like the people that I actually like know and interact with and hear about and like I just started seeing these like random people who like I don't even, I was like I don't even know who they are like, I don't yeah. even remember following you or you following me yeah and yeah. um 
And like every great, great once in a while, I'll see one of your posts. I don't think I've seen any of yours ever. Uh, but like I, um, yeah, I think I was like the first couple months, I was still like really hitting social media hard. I was doing the quarantine stories. I was doing, um, I was just like posting a lot. I was like cranking out material and just like doing like Twitter jokes, uh, just like um, internet jokes. And, um, and then I don't know, like I hit a wall where I was just like, I fucking hate social media and I, um, I stopped, I, like, I did, like, kind of, like, a, a break, uh, several times, I took, like, a four or five day break, like, a few times, and, which felt great, and, um, and so now, um, I don't know, I haven't, I just stopped, like, pressuring myself to post and come up with stuff for the internet, yeah. And it's like, even though it kind of sucks that I'm like, basically once I, I, I'll have no choice but to like kind of be doing that stuff again once kind of comedy picks back up. Just like not pressuring myself to do that has felt like so much better. Yeah. And, um, and just like, and I feel more confident in my actual comedy because I'm spending that time doing that instead of, you know, worrying about promoting my brand and everything. Yeah. It's just like being the, you know, comic I want to be on stage. Yeah, I can, re- I can relate because I, you know, you spend so much time, like, putting, like, I would do these, like, long-form captions, you know? I was like, I want to be more than just, like, this influencer that, like, shows, like, her butt or, like, cute outfits. Like, I want to have some, like, depth to the right. captions, right? So I would, like, spend all this time, cre- like, being vulnerable and writing these long captions and then to think of like that my own friends didn't even comment under it and like like mm-hmm. if I ask a question like oh, yeah. hardly anyone will even comment and like they saw it too you right. know and so it's like at this point if I can't even get my own friend to comment when they know I'm going to all this work to like it's right. like who else is going to be interested you know right. so I weirdly you know, enough it's usually the people who like who aren't don't already know you before that that like kind of they get into like I when I would do stuff like that like none of my friends ever like commented or like like did stuff and it was like my like new followers and it was like people who discovered me from that mm-hmm. that would do that um, yeah it's it's weird like people I think they're like there's something about people who know you before you like start doing that like that you grew up with or friends with you that like that feel. Um, like it's not like they they feel like it's not their place. It's like not even like yeah. a like a um uh a, how do I explain it? Like they're like like not, it's not malicious, you know. But they feel like they feel like stay like they're the, like standoffish, which is which is weird. It's like silent followers too that though. just don't they don't even like they just look right and they're not gonna like comment or like I, or anything I I totally like get next I mean. That's a really good point because, like, if I have like friends who like, like, are now trying to build a brand online or be an influencer, it, it's like weird. Kind of, even like with you, like when I see like your influencer stuff, it's like I know you so well, and then I like see it, so it feels kind of like a separation almost. But if all I knew was Shane the influencer online, then I would feel more comfortable to engage in. I, I think yeah, I, it's kind yeah, of it, and it's weird that we feel that way and that other people feel that way because like I. I always wondered that, and then I, 
found myself like haphazardly like uh doing doing it with like and not even just my friends but like all I, I started like when I am on social media now I like I actually try to actively think like just like everybody's shit like if I if I see it I'm just gonna like it because like I would even like accounts that I really liked and like people's I really like their content and stuff I would just find myself scrolling through the stuff yeah. and not liking anything or commenting or anything and then being like and I'm like and I like thought about it, I was like I'm exactly what I I'm doing exactly what I hate. Yeah, other people dude. doing with my shit, you know? Yeah. And it's like, you need to, uh, like, let people know that you're there. And I think that's the thing is, like, that's the hardest part of that, like, getting yourself to realize that, like, people, just because I don't have a ton of likes or a ton of comments or anything, like, there are still people who like my content. They still follow me. It's like, I think it's, what's most important is, like, seeing how many followers you have. If you still have the followers, then they still like your content enough to keep following you. It's right. like they just don't think to, to like it. But it's hard, it's, but I still, like, if, if I post something that doesn't get a lot of likes or comments, I'm like, I hate everyone. <laughs> don't, you know? Yeah. It's weird, it's, it's not, yeah. I, I, but I totally know what you mean, I understand that. It's like, it's, you, uh, you feel, you feel. Like you waste of your time. Like, yeah, exactly. Spending a lot of time on something that doesn't get any eyeballs, mm-hmm. but. I just have to tell, like, tell myself that nobody, like, Joe Rogan, when he started out with his podcast, he, like, I mean, he was new to YouTube, and so that's kind of why he, like, because he was there when it started. Right. So I tell myself that with, like, TikTok, like, it's this new thing, so, like, just stick it out and see where it goes and yeah. stuff like that. How has it been TikTok? I haven't been again. consistent enough, but yeah, I did. Gotta, that's the other thing you gotta do a lot. I did have a video that went viral at one point, so that was that more than I've ever had on Facebook and Instagram. Did it help? Uh, yeah, like it was like when I first started, and it like got I got a ton of followers and like more views on the other videos, but gotcha. Yeah, it's um, that's the other thing is that like you have to. I like, I have a friend who I have a couple friends who like basically became TikTok famous um, over the pandemic. and But they were posting like five videos. Um, one of my, dude, my friend, my friend posts like seriously like 10 videos a day. And I was like, dude, I just don't have the wherewithal for that. Right now. Like, it's like, and it's like, especially now, it's like now because comedy's not going on, I'm working day jobs, like I'm, I'm back to working odd jobs and day jobs and stuff just to stay afloat until things are back to normal. So I'm working constantly, like I, I work at least, you know, either in the day or the night, every day, and then I'm, some days I'm working doubles. Do you, do you have like any way where people can support your comedy like online? Like, like Patreon? I don't, I don't know, like because I'm not, I'm not putting out anything new right now. Yeah. And that's the thing is that I'm not like, um, I feel like everything, everything, is. <laughs> right, everything, yeah. everything that I have, I'm just, like I said, I've just kind of been storing up and I just want to put it out. Cause like, I don't, is it, is I don't, I don't, I don't put anything on the internet until I've got a joke that kind of exactly how I want it. Yeah. And then when I feel like it's ready to be put out there, then like I'll record it and I'll post it to Instagram or something and like would that. Would you have, do you, like, if you have like a really good joke and you make a short video about it, like. Is it like cool to also do that joke in like your set? set? Um, sometimes, mostly, usually. Or do you feel like you're wasting it almost if you just put it out on the internet? Or... Generally, if I post something online, like I'm done telling that joke. 
yeah. on social media because yeah. uh, in that way I can like people on social media can see that and be like oh he's funny I'm gonna go see him and then when they see me they're not hearing jokes that they've already heard yeah. you know so um, and then um, and then people who follow me on social media and already seen my show you know they'll still follow like, you know, they'll still like it or comment or something like that oh yeah like it enough to like whatever uh give it a view again but um i would imagine that you have like some like really die hard fans like that's how i feel about you not to be honest like because i've heard you say some of your jokes i've heard every time at the showcase and like but i've heard you like tweak them and like try different timing and stuff and it's just it's awesome to see that yeah that's the that's that's what's so awesome about comedy is like a joke is never it joke never has to be completely finished yeah unless you like well i guess well not not even i mean there i've heard people tell jokes on comedy albums and specials and then they continue to tell the joke and they like they change it yeah. you know like uh so i mean really a joke never has to be uh totally finished like i mean like if you publish a book and then like you could go back and review your own book later and be like, oh, I should have done this with it. It's like too late. The book's published. Right. Like you're done. But yeah. it's like a joke. You can just you can tweak it and revise yeah. it and edit it and trim it and rewrite it and do whatever you want with it. Yeah. And like uh, I've I've done it. There's been plenty of times where I've taken like I've had uh, or I've just like taken a certain joke that wasn't working really well but there was at least one or two lines in it that were doing really well and i would just take those two lines and find another joke where they made set like where i could just put them in a bat and just have one like really punched up joke like um like i have like this kind of like opening like the opening minute i do talking about like being a young uh being a young parent i kind of have like really quick like like in like a minute and a half i have like probably like eight punch lines yeah and not even a minute, I have like one minute, I have like eight punchlines, and those all used to be completely separate jokes. Oh. And so, like, I, I would go, so it would be like, you know, more like five minutes yeah. to tell these eight punchlines. And so it was just taking way too long to get to a laugh. And I was like, okay, so if I take just take those lines out of there and like I put them together and add maybe just like you know, one extra like filler line in between and stuff, I can get, I can get those laughs in a way shorter amount of time. And, and so is it like strategically to be beginning to just kind of like, like shock the crowd and like, more, um, more yeah, you always, I mean, you always want to get your first laugh as quickly as possible. Um, Cause there's definitely, I, I noticed that who was that guy who came who like, he, it was like a special guest and he like had a Comedy Central, he had a, a special, <laughs> like, uh, he was like, he was, he like absolutely fucking Oh, Michael Malone. I, Mike, yes. I, I, asked you, I told you. I yes. Was like, I remember, you know what's so funny? I just, I only remember that because I remember after the show, you coming up to be like, who was that guy? Dude, and this he was got, the one got show I wasn't at. You just went with Mookie, right? Oh, I think. And yeah, so I it was. Because there was at a point where it's like, I felt like he could literally say any word and make me laugh. Oh, because he is, the crowd was so good. And that's, then I understood the concept of like warming up a crowd or hot, I don't know what the terms yeah. are. But and, like, he's, and he's so fast. And it was like, this guy could just like make a fart sound and like the crowd would like blow up. Every you know other, I mean? that was the thing is that like every other one, <laughs> but he's like, but he, and that, that set he had so well tightened. Right. That's the whole point of that is like, you, you don't want to give people, um, you know, like, there's different, but 
That's dude, what I have so much respect for that, dude. Because there's such a like art to it. There's such like a I don't know, man. It, to me, comedy seems like one of the hardest things in the world to fucking do, to be honest. It really is. Like, and it's the th- one thing that so many people think they can do, like, do easy. Because it's like, when you're, like, looking at it, so people just look at it, and they're like, they're like, it's just talking, you know? Like, cause like yeah. if you see people, like, in a band, like, you're like, you know, you're thinking, okay, I gotta learn how to play guitar well right. before I can, you know, join a band and then I gotta write music and then do that. But when you see people doing stand up, you're like, oh, they're just talking. Well, I can talk. And people, yeah. and people, I mean, all <laughs> yeah. the time. It's like, I make people all laugh. All the time. Exactly. And that's, and that's the other thing is people think that, like, off stage funny translates oh, to on stage. And they're. Because there's no context. It's a, it's a different like, ballpark. It's not even yeah. the same sport. It is like, it's completely. Like, it's so easy to, like, make people laugh, like, in context of daily life and, like, play off other people's jokes. Like, everyone can make people laugh like that. But to, like, get up there and everyone's like, all right, make this laugh, motherfucker. It's like, that sounds so hard to me. Because they're not expecting. I mean, like, in everyday situations, you can make someone laugh because they're not expecting it. Right. And that's what. Oh, that's actually. Yeah, that's that's what makes it funny. But if someone just said, I never thought so that. someone just came up to you and said, make me laugh, do something funny. And it's like, like uh, oh, it's funny. like, no, then yeah. nothing you say is going to be funny, you know? Um, yeah. In that, in that kind of situation. That's why. In stand-up, that's why the biggest laughs come from something that's improvised, you know, like crowd work, you know, uh-huh. like, I mean, so, um, yeah, the, the crowd, uh, crowd work comics get the biggest laughs because it's off the dome, you know, yeah. I mean, and a lot of times it's not off the dome, they just, they're just really good at making it look like it's off the dome, you know, uh-huh. like, I, I know, um, I've seen you do that as well with the people who sit at the very front at the funny bone, uh, there was like this group, I made a really once, but it was funny. <laughs> yeah, I, I like I yeah that's that's my heart that's like one of the toughest things for me is crowd work is that because like I can if someone like heckles me like I can say something quick like I I have like I I'm quick witted enough that like I can have a quick retort or make like a quick joke off of it blah blah or like if I see something I can make a quick joke but like I know people who can like. I mean, they see something in the crowd and they can turn it into a whole bit immediately and like go on a whole tangent yeah. and just like make a whole thing out of it for several minutes. Yeah. And I'm like that and like pick at it in various situations. And I'm like, I would have to sit down and think and write and like, they're just doing awesome. So time. I wanted to ask you about that too. Like, it seems to me that like, um, com- comedians can have such different approaches. Like I've heard of like people who like write on stage and then. Like, cause to me, it seems like you have like a very like practice, like you like to take it and refine, which is how like Joe Rogan talks about his jokes. Like he's like obsessively writing about it, tweaking, perfecting. And then is there kind of like a spectrum of it where some people are like just riffing on stage? Like you said, like they can like take a crowd moment and make a bit just kind of. There's, like, uh, okay. I don't so know what I'm asking. There's, <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you're asking. Uh, there are, I mean, there's lots of comics who try to do that and it goes terribly, but, uh, to do, to just, to just go up there and like actually like genuinely not like pretending, but like genuinely go up there and just riff for a long period of time and for it to be actually really funny. It takes an insanely intelligent person. Um, like the stuff that like, you know, Dave Chappelle can do very well. Andrew yeah. Schultz can do very well because they are extremely bright, intelligent people who have a vast knowledge of the world. Um, because you have to off, to be off the dome, be able to just take, um, references from different places to see something and come up with references to things that like people know you're talking about and be relatable. Yeah. 
you have to have a vast knowledge of things. You've got to know a lot about a lot of things to just start talking about anything or and like talk about you reference it like in a second. Yeah. And that's it. Oh, this is something that a lot of people don't have. Just aren't knowledgeable, intelligent human beings. You can be very funny, but not be that good at just ripping like that because you don't have a vast knowledge of just life and just. I mean, like people like you know Andrew Schultz and Dave Chappelle. Like you can just start talking to them about politics, about geography, about cultures, about. Um, science, I mean, about anything, and they yeah. just know so much that they yeah. can start ripping on that because they know about that subject. You know, right. you gotta know a lot about about. And like Schultz's like pandemic videos. Oh, uh, he's, like, he's. I think Andrew Schultz is so the, the best working comedian today, in my opinion. Andrew Schultz is the best working comedian today. Um, he puts out content like no other, and it's always great. It's. It's intelligent, it's knowledgeable, it's hilarious, it's, I mean, there's crowd work specialists. he has such a way with, like, you know, I'm sure you have, like, there's the whole pressure of, like, is this offensive, am I going to get canceled for this? He has such a way of, like, teetering the line without, like, really pissing anyone too much off, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but but here's the thing, is that, like, um, I'm trying to remember who said it. I can't remember who said it. I was, I think it was Eddie Murphy who said, if you tell an offensive joke to get away, to get away with an offensive joke, it has to be at least three times as funny as it is offensive. Because if you just tell, say something yeah. that's offensive and it's not funny, then like, you're just a fucking offensive asshole. <laughs> yeah. But if you, if it makes you laugh yeah. hard enough, you don't care that it's offensive. Right. Because you're like, well, I, but he's fucking hilarious. He's like, that's a great point. Yeah, yeah. And, um, that's something that Andrew Schultz has the ability to do is he can say something offensive but it's so funny that you're like I can't I'm not even going to say yeah. that about it because this is so funny like his crowd work special is amazing but uh, do you but that's it, but that's, and that's just like that uh, stuff. that's the beauty of comedy is that like uh, there's no one sus- wow specific style like that you yeah. have to um conform to so like there's people that are great at crowd work and don't have even have like the best material but they kind of work um they work around you know they kind of work around their strengths and stuff like i'm not uh super great with crowd work you know but like i've like written my written material goes over well so i kind of assume that i I know people who um like uh, one of the things like uh, i learned about i learned a lot from my week with uh, adam ray uh who's a really great comedian and something I saw him do a lot over the week was that um, he would tell the same, like, the, it was the same hour every night, every show, but he would he would never tell it in the same order because he had a way of making his jokes look like crowd work. Like, he would start a conversation with, he would start a conversation with someone, and then he would, depending on what they would say, he would find a way to, it made, he made it look organic in that he would, ask them a question like and his follow-up question would gear them into a way that would segue into his joke and he would tell wow, the joke yeah. and people thought he was coming up with that as a response to what he was saying but it's something he's been telling them all week you right, know right. so like and people think it's improv so like the laughs are you know twice as hard as yeah, like as yeah. anything else Damn, that's that's like, next level. <laughs> yeah it's so good and like there's a lot of comedians who do that um who like they're like crowd work comedians and you think everything they're saying is right off the dome but really it's written out and they just 
they just are, they have this amazing ability of steering conversation into that joke. So yeah. it looks like they just thought of it right that second. Yeah. And, wow. um, that's so cool. Um, yeah, there's a lot of comedians who like that, but, um, and then you have, and it's crazy because like those kind of comedians and especially like, um, really fast talking, uh, or like short joke kind of comedians, they want laughs like really quick and like not as much, too much space in between. And then you have comics who can be really funny, but like their, their laughs may be further and fewer in between, but then those laughs are huge. You know, they they really build up to something. And like that one, that was like, that's sort of what a lot of what I've shifted more into as I'm telling dark personal storytelling, because I'm going to have moments where I'm kind of telling stuff that's not funny, but I'm building up to funnier things. And, um, that's like, like, um, one of the things that Ali Sadiq, who's a, uh, very, who's a great storyteller is, um, he said that like resonated something he said that really resonated with me was he said, everything you say as a comedian doesn't always have to be funny, but it at least has to be interesting because even if it's like silence, isn't always a terrible thing. Silence, if anything can be a good thing because it means people are paying attention. If you can hear a pin drop in the room, it means you have their attention, you have their focus. So that's still a good thing, but you have to do something with that attention mm-hmm. and focus. And um, so like Ali Sadiq is one of those who, when he tells stories, it is like a lot of silence, but he will get these big eruptions of laughter from one thing, but he goes, and then he goes this long, long, long time of silence, but everything he's saying is very interesting. So people are listening focusing and paying attention, you yeah. know, and it still pays off because mm-hmm. uh, he knows how to kind of wield that sword. Right. But, um, so, I mean, there's, um, yeah, that's the view is that there's no one specific way and like whatever you're trying, you can always experiment, you can do different things. Like when I first started out, I tried to be like a, um, a one-liner short joke. Kind of, yeah, <laughs> yeah, kind of st- style and that just wasn't for me and then I did like, observations for a long time and then I kind of discovered once I like I did my first like uh successful storytelling bit I was like okay this is the kind of these are the kind of jokes I like to tell and this is kind of like what I like to do and so I've started um you know uh it started off like really short like I have the one about like going down to visit my grandparents in the country you know those like little uh those are little, more, like, those are more like anecdotes and like little stories but then like uh the story Same about the movie. story about um like the the kid in the pool the shallow pool <laughs> my son or whatever yeah well, like pushing him you know like that was kind of like a little bit like that was an actual like story story um that, that an anecdote has like you know an actual like journey with a beginning middle and end and like when that would, like did really well i was like okay like this, I have so much fun telling that joke. I love like acting out other people and characters and stuff. Yeah. Um, I was like, all right, so I'm I think I like prefer storytelling comedy because because there was some comedian that Mookie was watching and he was just like a one-liner kind of guy. He's he died. Um, Mitch he Mitch Edward, he died. It's Mitch Edward, brother. Did he wear glasses? Like big sunglasses. He had long hair. Yeah, Mitch know? Edward. Um, and yeah. I just didn't, you I don't mean, like that? I understand that he's funny, like I, <laughs> <laughs> but for me, I prefer, and I think it's because I'm like one of those people that tries to like, uh, deep dive into people's psyche, like, mm-hmm. 
what, who is this person? Mm -hmm. What happened yeah. to them? Like, there's right. so, like, you telling me about your childhood, like, I could just, like, talk to you, like, off camera about that forever and, like, just, um, so I love when a, com a comedian's there and I can actually, like, figure out, like, what's going on with Get them. To know you know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. Like, almost like I'm a therapist yeah. in the back trying to figure out what's wrong with this. I mean, there's, and there's nothing, I mean, there's nothing funnier than a, a perfectly done story. I mean, I think, like, a perfectly done story will make me laugh harder than any, like, one-liner, you know, joke. Well, I feel like it also, like, is easier as a, you know, as part of the audience that you remember stories better than you remember observations, I think. Because it's like, you could be, oh, the kid in the pool story, it's, like, easy, as opposed to, like, oh, his take on whatever, it's right. kind of more ambiguous. Mm -hmm. Like, Sometimes that's good though, because then you can tell the same joke multiple times. Yeah, people yeah. like I've already heard this. That's the one thing. That's the one thing that's like as hard as that. Like I've noticed is that like um, you're actually totally right. People remember stories better than they remember a one liner or an observation yeah, or something like that. Because like I've uh, I've done like shows where like um, someone came to my show like multiple times, you know, and they heard the same kind of like short bit tons of times and like never mentioned. It. But then like I told the same story like maybe like an extra one or two times that they heard and they're like, I heard, like, like yeah. oh, I already heard that, you know? Cause so, the, yeah, like the first time I saw your show, I remember saying, dude, the shroom story, like, cause it was like the thing that was so clear to me to remember. Right. Cause it's yeah, like, it's caps. Yeah. yeah, something about stories, I think it's just easier for people to, I don't know, follow. There's something uh, about the human mind, like we love stories. Yeah. And like, connect, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's, you can, cause you can kind of, um, cause with stories, you can kind of, it's like reading a book. You can kind of put yourself in that position. You like, uh, you imagine, you imagine a scenario. You're kind of you're picturing the scenario in your head. When you're just doing like an observation or a short like a one line bit, it's more just like funny words, and you're not really like picturing anything specific. But like when you but right. like when you're hearing a story, it's like you know like when you're reading a book and you kind of like imagine the the setting, yeah. and the people, and the scene, and, and, the you, stuff. and you kind of. So it kind of gets implanted into your mind a lot. I think that's why dude, you're so I like, love um, <laughs> Theo. It's awesome, dude. It's like, I, like honestly, I guess, I mean, I, I guess it's not like we hang out. I'm just out, talking about my ass and seeing what steps. No, but, like, you, like, you clearly, like, think so deeply about this stuff. And it's just, it's fucking awesome. I, it's just, I, I just always, I mean, it's just like, I, uh, I'm doing something that I've always been, fan of it's just like it, it, yeah it's so i just but i mean i love it's not just comedy i just love writing and you know like books and stories and uh you know lyrics and um just the the english language you know just like vocabulary and words and like like they're all so interesting like it's so like one of the things that like i i find so fascinating about comedy is that it's not only like a joke in whole uh, how it works, but like how every single word matters. Like, I mean, with a joke down to the very last word, like one difference in a word can completely ruin a joke. And that's so fascinating to me how even if it's the same, like you're getting the same point across and the same thing, uh, you're saying the same thing, but if you just change one little word, it can completely ruin a joke. It can make or break a joke, just yeah. like one word. And that's so like, it's like, why? And no one really knows exactly why. Yeah. And it's like, or like um, the idea of, 
if you stumble on a joke, how like you, if you're if you're telling the punchline and you you slip up on a word, and even if you recover and people still know they get what you're saying, that you slipping up will completely ruin the joke. Yeah, we'll, we'll laugh at it. Like that is yeah. like uh, daughter. I mean uh, father. You know, like you like say that. Like say like you're the the that that one yeah. just doing that if like if that was the punchline it's over like, right they, that that joke's done yeah, it's like why they still yeah. know what you're saying you still recover they still know what you're saying it's like why is it not funny anymore yeah it's there's there's something about losing the momentum and like I just find that so that's intriguing so, so I'm like I'm is. always um and like that's one of my favorite parts about writing is like when I when I um I tell a, a joke. And I know, just like the, like, there's like this like feeling of knowing that a joke is good. And like, even if it didn't work, you're like, I know that that's funny, but why is it not coming across as funny to them? Like, well, how, what do I have to do for them to realize it's funny? And then right. just like going home and listening to it and like being like, okay, um, we're going to take out this line and we're going to switch this word with that. That word is funny. Like, it's still like finding funnier words, not even just like, Words that sound funnier also make a yeah. huge difference, you okay. know? It's like, um, no one knows why, but it's like this rule in comedy that um, words with uh, the U sound are funnier than like, um, that are just like, are, make the funniest uh, things. Like, uh, um, it's like one uh, perfect example is uh, Patrice O'Neill has a joke about... Um, this one guy who like in New York City who like I think he like he like murdered someone and then he went or it wasn't OJ Simpson but it was like another person who like murdered someone and then like went on a police chase and uh, he the guy was driving a Pontiac and um, uh, in the in the joke uh, instead of he he knows that Pontiac isn't a funny sounding word and it's like the in the joke I can't remember exactly how it goes I'm paraphrasing but like the punchline is like they were looking for an N word in a Pontiac, and like you said, they're looking for an N word in a Buick. And something about the word Buick. Yeah. So what, why is the word Buick so much funnier than Pontiac? Just right. like the way you say Buick, like something about you is like, or like people will say like, like when someone is like, uh, I heard a joke about someone describing a color, and uh, uh, he said fuchsia, and it was like, he got this huge laugh, and it's like, why, like, instead of just saying like, violet or purple, like, the fuchsia is like violet or purple sort of, right? I think it's something like that. Instead of just saying like, a, like everyone knows a purple, fuchsia is like, is so much, in, in a joke, it's just yeah. a funny sounding word. And there's like, there's so many different things like that. Like, like people don't realize when they're hearing a joke, how much thought went into every single word. Like they just yeah. thought that like, oh, this person wrote this joke and it was funny, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, this person, this joke, the first time they told it was a completely different joke right. and they went back and rearranged it and switched out words like that that funny sounding word was planted in there specifically yeah like instead yeah, of saying and violet and timing timing is everything too like you notice when you like we went to those um open mics with some of the like people that were doing comedy for the first time and stuff and when you don't like you haven't done comedy a lot, you don't have your timing right, and so you don't like you don't let there be as like many of those pauses that like make it awkward and make you laugh, you know, mm -hmm. like those kind of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really that's the other thing you. Oh yeah, that too, definitely uh, delivery. Well, that's 
what comes with the stage time is, um, yeah, and that, that, that too, that's another thing is delivery. That's why you always want to record yourself and go back. And that's another thing is that sometimes, um, I'm, uh, it's a, a great example is that like another thing that will make or break a joke is like just that little pop, like sometimes a pop, that little pause before the punchline is what makes the punchline funny. And then sometimes if you pause, it ruins the momentum. It's like sometimes you need that momentum break and sometimes you need to, you know, bridge that gap. So it's like uh, finding out like what, you know, not just the words, but finding out like the, the pausing between words and sentences and all that. And um, it's so, it's just such a like, it's just always fascinated me so much that that's why I'm so like, I think about it so in depth and so obsessed with it. And it's yeah. just like, why? Like, it's just like knowing why. Just, no one knows why. They just know that that's, Funny. Like well, fun, being funny is just such a, a concept that people don't have a scientific grasp. Right, of, right. You know? That's exactly what I was thinking. There's no like even just the a laugh. Thing. Like when you we've talked about this. Before. Oh yeah, there's all these theories about like, what laughs are. Like, like the fact that we laugh. Like something's funny and we make noises come out of our mouth right. just randomly. Like that's so weird. It. It's crazy. And we were talking yeah. about they think this one theory is that this guy was walking in the woods and he almost like no the the theory is like that like evolutionarily like a laugh was like like almost before we had language because like animals laugh too like apes and stuff Mm -hmm. laugh you know and and like hyenas i guess laugh but it was the theory was like that a laugh was like when you thought something was dangerous and then it wasn't dangerous and that was like a sound you made like which is true if you think about almost anything you laugh about in real life. It's like you think it's like really bad, but it's not actually that, that bad. And that's kind of like what's funny about it. Or it's just like, or it just takes you off, you know, catches you Surprises off. Surprises you, right, like, right. Something you're not expecting. Like yeah, because like I guess the, any joke you're like expecting, you're not really gonna usually gonna laugh at. But it's yeah, like, it's it's the whole catching well, I, you off guard. I thought that was so like just I, I never thought about it the way you said earlier like how that's why stand up is hard because you're expecting like you're like make me laugh motherfucker mm-hmm. and once you have that on there and there's a whole per- like i don't know it's hard it's a yeah it's a completely different uh game but that's why like and that's what's so fascinating to come it's like no no ai robot will ever be able to do oh, yeah. stand up i mean no matter how intelligent they make because like it can do it can solve these crazy science problems and math problems and like it could yeah. probably even like write you know like a story or something like that yeah. it will never you'll never like they'll never be able to design something that they can even play music funny. now and shit but they'll never be yeah i agree like it'll, it'll never uh, work out way with, with a human mind can you tell us a little bit about the history of uh drug addiction like uh so what did you get into and what what um so i um uh well one thing is that i was actually paralyzed for a year and um i don't know if you know that's right i've talked about i've talked about that on stage before as well um and that uh, i had something called cidp chronic inflammatory demyelination polyneuropathy so neurological condition um I eventually, you know, got better. I, I barely survived that. I was actually, there was a chance of me dying from that. And then once I got over that, um, what is I, that? CID, uh, so basically it's where you're, it's a autoimmune disease where your antibodies start, you know, fighting your own body and it eats at the myelin sheath of your nerves. 
and eats away at that. So, and then it gets to your nerves and your nerves can't send messages from your brain to your body. So you just stop being able to have a function, you know. But they were actually able to cure it in you? Yeah, yeah. So um, it takes a crazy amount of medical steroids to do. Uh, first, I mean, figuring out just what it was. Uh, I also had to do shock therapy where they would just basically strap me to a table and electrocute me a bunch of times. Yeah, it was really bad. Um, um, what I have, what I have is super, super, super rare. Um, like the kind of rare that like whenever I would go in for shock, anytime I would go in for like treatments and stuff, they would have like, uh, there would be like the room would be filled with like students. Cause they were like, this is something you have to see that like, you're not going to have. Yeah, this is crazy. Um, it's a crazy rare disease. Um, and how old were you when you were paralyzed for a year? Uh, I was uh, 15 turning 16. So were you just like in a hospital for a year? No, 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 no. I would go in for like stuff, but like I was home. Um, and you couldn't move at all? Uh, so for a period of time. So like it ha it's a very slow process. You very slowly start to lose. I wasn't actually completely paralyzed for the entire year. Um, I It was for like probably like a, a month or two. Uh, before I started to get better because like there was the period of because it's also a slow recovery But there was the period of it if they had known what it was earlier I wouldn't have even gotten to that point But it took so long to, to even figure out what it was that it took a long time to, for the the medical service the, the prednisone to even start doing anything um, So it basically you just very slow. It's like you just feel like you're getting weaker that's like what it feels like to your body. It's like you're just getting weaker and so you slowly start to lose the ability to, you for, you know, it starts at your extremities and works inward, you know, you, um, so like I couldn't use my fingers and slowly couldn't use my arms, you know, feet, legs, blah, 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 moves this way. Were you not going to school or anything at the time? Um, I went to school longer than I should have for sure. I was definitely struggling. I would, um, I just like, I hated the idea of, cause like I, I hated the idea of possibly of having to homeschool again because like those years of my life were so like dreaded for me. Like I, I hated that period of my life. And going back to that was like, like the last thing I wanted. So I kept going to school as long as I was physically, even beyond physically able. Like I was going to the point that like, you know, I was I was literally like my, my right foot was the, the first thing to like totally go and like I was like walking in school dragging my foot um, I would fall down like I fell down a whole flight of stairs um, I uh, would like I would like fall on the way to the, the bus stop and like oh it's like it's so like, it was humiliating because obviously in high school kids are fucking terrible you know yeah. I was getting you know I was yeah. getting laughed about left and right I mean uh, people are fucking awful and so like I was like you know like so even when I like recovered from that I was still very like I don't know kind of like about that and I met uh, and like I, I just started a new school I started going openly and I didn't know anybody and um, the first people to really kind of accept me to like bring me into their friend group was the, the druggie kids you know uh -huh. and you know I uh, you know I say that with love they're still like my best, <laughs> some of my best friends those that are alive that's the thing about getting in with the drug kids is a lot of them die um, so I've had a lot of friends like that die uh, over the years but um, but the, the, they were the first ones to like, you know, uh, accept me and bring me into their group. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of, you know, that's who I was hanging out with. So then that's what I was sort of doing. And I kind of um, 
use that as you know it's kind of like a numbing the pain sort of thing and then um did you get into the to the hard stuff quickly like in high school um or was it just yeah pretty pretty quickly honestly um i you know i i already had like a lot of Oh, it's pretty sick experience. I already had a lot of experience with smoking weed. Like, I smoked weed for the first time when I was 11. And so, like, I had already, like, it wasn't like I just, like, I started smoking weed and I did that. You know, it wasn't like right. that, like, gate, I wouldn't really call it, like, it wasn't a gateway or anything because I already did that a lot. But um, from there, I, um, the first, like, other drug that I tried was acid. And then, uh, uh, it was like all my friends were, you know, like doing that and then, um, you know, mushrooms and then I started doing like pills and taking, um, Molly and, uh, ecstasy and stuff. And then, um, you know, Still I, nice. and I got really into, yeah, and I got really into speed. And, uh, yeah. I, I mean, my, my, overdose, my overdoses were all in high school. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, and, oh, like oh. rehab, rehab was in, um, was in high school. It was June, uh, junior year was it was it ever like um part of like a like an ebm type scene like i knew kids no 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 not like that i've never been into like so it was just like just like shit yeah it's just like they're just like house parties you know uh yeah it's doing house parties and stuff and um so uh but i was also like selling um you know pretty much anything i was taking like i was also selling like me and all my friends we sold and then um uh, junior year was when we started uh, dealing with the GDF, which is the Grateful Dead family. Oh, uh, oh shit. so yeah, like it's funny because like you know you always see like you know people touring with like the Grateful Dead and it's supposed to you know it's this peace and love hippie movement. Dude, behind the scenes they are terrible fucking people, dude. Like there's a whole like the drugs have to get into those. Con- those concerts, Grateful Dead festivals, concerts a certain way, you know, like there's there's a whole gang behind those like things, like the oh, Grateful yeah. Dead family, and they. Um, Grateful Dead, sorry, is that a band or a festival? A band. Oh boy, you don't know, <laughs> you don't know the Grateful Dead. I think it, no, I think so. Uh, it's I like, think it's I a, do. It's a band. It's like one of the biggest, the, a band that has like the biggest cult following ever. Like the, it's got a school with the I'm lightning, the dancing bears, bears, the dancing bears. What's some of their songs. Actually, Chinatown Market just did a collab with the Grateful Dead. My favorite street um, band. I mean, you wouldn't, they wouldn't have any songs that you just like, really know. Um, they're like a jam band mostly. So yeah, like, I, don't know, really I don't know. I don't know. Really long instrumentals. Like you said, um, super cool falling. Well, it makes sense because like <laughs> behind any like massive drug operation, there's going to be some violence and it's a crime. So there's yeah. like. Yeah, any one of those structures is going to be balanced, yeah. Uh, and, um, we, so we got involved with them, and they, um, one of the, uh, I, I, I'm not going like, to name names or anything, yeah, yeah. but one of the people that was um, kind of on the lower end of the hierarchy that kind of got us involved um, taught us how to make DMT, which is, like, the strongest drug in the world. And, um... So me and my friends were making and selling DMT for for them for quite a while, and um, and then we kind of got in way over our heads. Uh, one of our close friends was um, beaten half to death and left for dead in East St. Louis um, over something that wasn't even his fault. It was the the 
someone lied, there was a drug deal that went wrong, and um, they, they blamed it on him, even though it wasn't his fault. And so he got uh, so for that. Um, you guys were just and we, so, yeah, we were like we were way in our heads, and we were like already like trying were you guys to like, we were trying. We were like we were just we were getting involved with people that we really like like very quickly like whoa these people are crazy and yeah. this is way more than we are like um, ready for. We bet off one of the could chew with these people and we just um, made luckily, them, oh yeah. Oh, yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah, it's great for us. Especially for high school dudes. Yeah, yeah. The problem was we were spending it all on other drugs. Right. You know, so um, we still didn't, we didn't save much. Yeah. Uh, we also, uh, unfortunately, did a lot of the DMT that we made, you know, before we yeah. had sold it. So if we had sold all that, we would have been killing it. But we also you know, did a lot of the drugs. Where were you, so, I mean, were you guys uh, just making like your parents' basement or uh, something? Yeah, in my, 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 my friend's room. Um, Holy smoke! Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. Whoa, we were also we were also growing weed in the basement. Wow. But um, basically, the way we got out was because like we hadn't like it's like especially like each like kind of chapter of it and like different cities has like sort of like a you know like a hierarchy like most like thing uh-huh. to do. And the the people that we were dealing with were kind of like on the they were they weren't like the elders. But they were like in the middle, uh, however you would describe it, and they would, um, they kind of, they never really like talked about us. Like no one else really knew like who we were. We were they were just kind of like little like street rats for them, you know, yeah, kind of like foot doing, soldiers. yeah, yeah, foot soldiers exactly. Um, and so one of them died, and the other one went to prison, and which is like like right around the same time. So that was like our out that like we didn't have to worry about like saying like hey we're not like doing this shit anymore and like you know having any problems because yeah. like they were gone so it's because like, like they knew probably where you went to school where you lived and everything like yeah they did <laughs> yeah they knew everything about us yeah they knew everything yeah. about us because um, they were constantly at my friend's house right and um, uh, and I mean yeah they knew they knew where we went to school and everything because one of them. Uh, the way we met them was that one of their younger siblings went to our high school. So we went, that's how we met them in the first place. That's how we met them in the first place. Um, and so, um, so that all unfolded. And then um, shortly after that was when I um, became addicted to bath salts, a uh, specific type. There's there many different bath salts. Uh, Bliss was the one that I got addicted to. And I um, was blowing all my money on that. And what's um, the feeling like from? I'm always confused by this, and this might sound dumb, but are bath salts no, like? No, like you can't go to Bed Bath and Beyond and, and buy bath salts again. I know <laughs> that would that would make Bed Bath and Beyond fucking corporate drug dealers. <laughs> like, um, no, it's not that. So Where do you buy like like weird? Why do they call them that? Smoke shops. Uh, well, they do. I think uh, they do. Uh, some of those like types of chemicals, but it's not just that, like it's mixed with a bunch of other stuff. Mm-hmm. But they are extremely, extremely terrible for you. And is it a they're, they're, amphetamine they're, type thing? Yeah. And I mean, the, the damage to your, to your body is like very quick, like quicker than most drugs. Like it's really, really damaging to your organs. And, and did you um, smoke it? Uh, no, you snorted. Um, 
I mean, there's, well, there's, again, there's different variants of the bath salts and there's different ways you can take it. I mean, you could... You Don't could, they make people, like, kind of go crazy, too? Like, I know, I heard yeah. of somebody that, like, bit someone's face. Yeah, they, uh, there's no, you can't even detect that. They just assumed that he was on bath salts. And because on, they said he was on bath salts and on acid. That was, like, that yeah, year. That's the question I get from everyone. So, I'm on, I, I used to do bath salts, but did you eat anyone's face? Yeah. It's like, they don't even know, they... They had a hunch that that's what he had taken, but they didn't know for sure. But people do, yeah. And like and like I said, like the stuff that I took, no one ever really went like crazy off it. But like, you know, people definitely died. Is there anything you might compare it to, like in terms of other? Um, it's like doing. It's like doing meth and ecstasy at the same time, but like better, powerful, more powerful, dude. It is. I mean, there's. It would be easier to go through the drugs that I haven't done than the drugs that I have done. And nothing has ever even compared to what this felt like. I mean, it was the second you took it, it was you were instantly addicted. I mean, snorted it. But I mean, it was, I don't even know how to like, describe it better than that. I mean, it was, the euphoria was absolutely insane. Like, I um I don't do like hard drugs or anything anymore other than trip. Like I, I still do acid and mushrooms from like every once in a blue moon, you know, for the creativity aspect of it. Um but I don't do hard drugs anymore and I have very good willpower. I could, you know, if you put it out in front of me, I could say no. But bliss is the one thing that I'm very grateful that I don't even I couldn't even get it anymore if I tried. I wouldn't know where to look. Because if you put that out in front of me, that's the one thing I'd be like, instantly be like, yeah. fuck it, I'm gone, I'm done. And like, yeah. it's, there's no way to describe it, man. It is, it's, it's one of those things that like, the taste of honey is worse than none at all, man. As soon as you try that, right. you're like, you're like, I just want to feel like this forever. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. it's, it's insane. And so, and that makes it really, and that makes it really dangerous because it's so more quickly devastating to your body. And it's not a super long last, it's longer than Coke, but it's, um, it's still not that long of a high. So you just, you know, you end up doing a lot of it in a short amount of time. And, um, we were like, I mean, this is when bless this variant of it had like just come out. So like me and my friends were like the guinea pigs for it, you know? And, um, I remember, um, I don't know like how they really like specifically knew, but I remember the guy that I was getting it from, the guy that gave it to him told him, um, it's like, don't do, like, he would put it in capsules and sell it in capsules, you just open the capsule and do it from there. And he was like, don't do more than one of these in, like, in one night. And, um, the night that I, that I overdosed, um, I got greedy and I ended up doing, like, two of them, um, in, in one night. And, um, yeah, I overdosed and went to the ER and that's the, the night, the story of, the, the joke I have about like bargaining with God. Mm -hmm. uh, to, when I heard that joke, I was wondering what you overdosed on. Yeah, that was, that's what it was. Yeah. And so, um, uh, I actually just recently wrote another a joke about like bath salts and like the the questions I always get. That's one of the questions that I, that I, I make a joke about is people always asking, they're like, wait, so you can just go to like Bed Bath and Beyond and get bath salts? Like, that's yeah. not like that. Um, <laughs> but, and how in your what junior year? Seventeen. Seventeen. Yeah. yeah. And then, God. And then, um, I ended up. Imagine getting shit like this. Uh, I ended up after that. I ended up overdosing on painkillers. I took painkillers and Xanax at the same time, which is terrible, and like a little too much of both. 
hospital again, and then... Um, Were you prescribed painkillers or something? No. No, no, it was just, it just got them. And then, um, um, I wouldn't say, I, I guess the, the third time was like, it wasn't like a, I guess it was still an overdose. It wasn't like a deadly overdose because I didn't like have to go to the hospital or anything, but like, um, I did like, took like, way too much Suboxone and I ended up, I was like puking my fucking brains out for like an entire 24 hours. Like it was like, I took it at night. I was like up all night and then like the whole next day until like it was about 24 hours before I stopped just like throwing up like constantly. It was terrible. I was so sick. Like, and I actually was, I guess it would still be kind of like considered an overdose because I, I did almost like take myself to the hospital. It was really, really bad. Um, but then what kind I, of drug is that? Oh, so is what they uh is what they uh take for like like heroin addicts. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. Uh they like suboxone clinics, right? Yeah. They give it to like get them off of it. Yeah, suboxone methadone, methadone yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Uh to help you like clean them off of it. Um but um uh so yeah, like the first the first that was time all the same year. No, no, or was no, that no, your senior year? No, that was like that was from the first time was seventeen. The last time was nineteen. And so, like when you graduated high school, did were you just in the fucking drug game, and were like, did you guys have like, did you end up moving out? Were you still with your parents? Uh, like, so, well, no, I I didn't move out of high school or anything, but like, but I, was so I, uh, so I, um, after the first. Overdose. I my um, mom put me in this like outpatient rehab sort of thing, and um, it was like a very like off. Um, it was like a it was a Christian thing. It was terrible. They had no idea what they were doing, and he had the counselor had no idea how to like talk to me or anything. Like he had no experience with drugs. Like if I'm gonna talk to someone about these kind of things, I want to talk to someone who has like a history, or, like, right? Experience with you know. He was like, he was like, yeah, he like never even smoked weed. He had no idea what he was talking about. So it's like, I'm just like, I don't know. I was like, what can you say? Like, I don't like, I'm not taking it face Like, yeah. So, um, he, uh, or after that, I was doing well for a while. And I had relapsing, uh, doing all of that, and then I got, um, uh, I sort of like went back and forth and stuff, and then. I ended up getting really into speed, and that was a whole thing. And I was selling coke uh, for a long time. That was like the one thing that stuck to for like a pretty long time, and built up pretty decent reputation for that. Um, and then I ended up getting robbed and sort of like kind of thugged out of it because I just, you know. Um, you know, I ended up stealing clients from people who had a lot of friends, a lot of guns, and uh, nothing to lose. You know? yeah, yeah. And so I sort of got bullied out of that because, like, that's not. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't that, that type of drug dealer. You know, I was just, I was just doing it, um, get money. You know, like I'm not, I'm not fucking, I'm not that kind. Like I'll fucking die on the streets for this shit, dude. Yeah. I don't fucking care. Like, no, you can have it. Like I'm good. Like, I, <laughs> um, so. Uh, did you ever did did the whole thing kind of ever make you 
more like that? Like kind of feel like, oh, I am a tough guy and I got it. Yeah, it, it definitely, shit, definitely. Yeah. Until until it came time to actually like be tough. Like, like right, you know, right. when it came down to like people who actually were like in that game, like to, you know, to the death, you know, like yeah. people who like really felt that way. And then I was like, no, I don't, I don't care. But like around, yeah, like just around, just like around, just like basic people. But like, yeah, it became, it you became, were, it became, it became a kind of thing where like around certain people, I had to at least act tough and like kind of present myself in a certain way to not get taken advantage of. Because right. like, um, you end up, you know, you're supplying to a lot of people who are really, uh, you know. Like I and I that was the thing is that like I I also had sort of a, a I get I mean it's hard to say I had a moral guideline when I'm selling coke but mm-hmm. like I still if you know because like some of my friends and even just random people if I saw they were like they weren't just coming like on the weekends because they wanted to party you know like they were coming like during the week to get through the day and like they were coming every day once they started coming every day I was like hey like you probably shouldn't be doing, you know, like, you have a problem, and yeah. like, this is, like, really taking advantage, like, of your life, and, like, you're spending all your money here. I was like, Coke isn't cheap. You're buying that shit every day, you better have a fucking killer job, you know? <laughs> I had, like, yeah. have people who worked in retail, like, coming to, I was like, I don't know how you're even forking like, that much money. Food. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. um, and so I would kind of, like, try to stop there, but, uh, but then you have people who try to take advantage of you, or would, um, you know, make your life Fucking hell! Like I would, uh, I would have people who would knock on my window at like four in the morning while I'm sleeping. And is that at that point that you moved out, or was that your? Yeah, mom? that 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 point that that point I moved out. Cause yeah, I like so. What, so that, when that was you graduated of, college, or when you graduated high school, like was there no thought of college? Or no, it, I was uh, doing for a very short amount of time. I was doing college, but I, I hated it, and I you know was like, like, did you feel like oh, I'm just gonna. Because at that point, you hadn't done your first I didn't really know. Yeah, I, yeah, I didn't really know what. Just kind of. Uh, I, was, I, like, yeah. I, I wanted to do uh, physical therapy assistance, but there was like a, uh, like a two-year wait for it <coughs> to get into the program. And um, so I was just, um, um, I was still doing the classes and like doing, getting the prerequisites done little by little and kind of waiting. But I was like, I don't know, I was like, still didn't really want to do it. I still didn't know really what I wanted to do. Yeah. And then, um, um, yeah. I so you're making a shit ton of money, probably, and you're getting high and shit. It's like, I don't know. Uh, that so, yeah, well, I was, yeah. you know, I was, and then I was doing, um, well, no, the, um, yeah, the, the selling uh, Coke was actually after uh, it was like past high school, like right. that was that was um, that was after. And when you graduated, did you? I didn't go. I didn't. Or when you graduated high school? Yeah. Sorry. sorry. When you graduated high school, did you like? So I kind of went back and forth because I was like kind of like dealing and tech taking for a while, and then I was like nothing. I was like clean and better and work, you know, working out and getting to that, and I got back into that. And yeah, that's what I was gonna ask. When did you start getting into? Weightlifting and bodybuilding. Uh, that was uh, like when I started college, and then. Um, um, and what kind of what sparked that? Like. Um, just like that was like when I was like trying to like just like get better and uh, get sober and stuff. So like I stopped like 
doing drugs and I know a lot of that happens to a lot of people like when you get when they get clean like yeah yeah it's just because you get a dopamine rush from lifting right and yeah and I just like I was tired of feeling yeah. this scrawny weak and skinny and stuff and I wanted yeah. to you know, have more confidence in myself you know and if I'm not doing drugs I was like oh I gotta be sober and be like look like this you know yeah. like, I gotta, yeah. you know I gotta have something I gotta have something in my life so yeah, yeah. so I started doing that and I'd be kind of off and on and then, um, but then I got like really into it and then I stopped and, um, and you stopped and you, you got into the bodybuilding that stopped as you were preparing for a show because you found you oh, the mic. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, uh, wow. So it seems to me like that between the ages of like 15 and 20, there was like several different like versions of Max almost. Like you were like yeah. transforming. Yeah, I know, right? Constantly. I know, yeah. And not, not just like mentally and like in my life was like physically too. Yeah. Like I went from like, because I went from being paralyzed. Uh, I went from being like super scrawny to um, I got fat because whenever I was paralyzed, I was taking all that prednisone and medical steroids to make you retain water like crazy. Right. And I couldn't like, because I couldn't move, I wasn't like working out to like, you know, like work it off or anything. So I was just retaining all this water and it made me really That happens fat. to guys with anabolics even. Yeah. Like some guys will be like shredded, but have like so much water in their face, you know? Yeah. What's anabolics? Or steroids. Anabolics. Yeah, steroids. Yeah. Yeah. steroids. And, um, and then, uh, then I saw, you know, when I stopped taking the sorts, I went back down really skinny and then I got really big again. All right. Now I get again, I got big and then I stopped doing it and I got skinny again. And then I recently started working out and I got big again. Yeah. And my friend recently said, uh, he's like, you remind me of Frieza from Dragon Ball Z. Like the oh, Frieza, yeah, Frieza yeah. cause he gets like fat, he gets like, like skinny, he's like shredded fat and like, all these different like, he likes like, he's like, yeah, dude, all these different all sizes. Different forms. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, those stages of Frieza. Um, that's so interesting. So man. then, um, yeah. And then, and now I just lead a very boring, uh, I mean, I would say it's boring, but I mean, nothing like, I'm not doing anything like illegal or crazy anymore. I'm just like, yeah. well, just, they, just doing comedy. I wanted to ask about, you know, when you had your son, I mean, that must, I would imagine that that had a big change and <laughs> just, yeah, yeah. Well, I, that was, I mean, it was, I had already, so like I was still dealing with my son was born mm -hmm. and, um, but I wanted, I like, when he was born, like, I, you know, I was like wanting to get out of that when we stopped, you know? So I was kind of like making those arrangements anyway, and I was sort of slowing down. I got a you know a regular job, and I was uh, slowing down on that. And then so the when I got robbed and kind of like just like kind of uh, threatened out of dealing in general, um, it was like it was kind of like in a way it was almost like a relief because I was like this is something I wanted to eventually happen anyway. Right. But you know, um, that was something I was gearing toward. Anyway, but it would have been nice to not lose, you know, get robbed of that right. and then have a... So that was shortly after your son was born? Yeah. You got mm -hmm. kind of plugged up? Yeah. And that was, like, another big reason that I I didn't want to mess with these guys is that, like, you know, I've got responsibility here and I've got yeah. a situation. You know, I've got something to lose. And, you know. How old is so your son? Is six? Uh, he turns six in March. And um, if we have time, we got a couple minutes. Um, I wanted to ask about how you how you started the Best of St. Louis showcase. Uh, so that was so I was um, I had been working 
getting work at the Funny Bone for a while. I got so to like kind of to get start getting like work hosting. you like when you're um, when you're at the host level. Um, so there's like I mean, think you, as you probably know, I mean, obviously it's different on a showcase that I run, but like a regular weekend, you have the host opener, you have the middle act, the feature, which is what I am now, and then you have the headliner, which I sometimes do at like not at the Funny Bone, but like I'll uh, occasionally headline at a club out of town or something. But I generally, for the most part, at both the like Funny Bone and you know, most of the clubs, I'll in the middle. But when I first became the host uh, level. Um, I was getting, I was getting a lot of work. There weren't a lot of posts, um, at the time and not one that Matt, the manager really like cared for or trusted. And so like I was getting work constantly and because I was there all the time, I sort of like built up a rapport with them and with the manager with Matt and he knew I was also, I had also started an independent show at a bar with my friend Ryan, uh, who was still doing comedy at the time. And so he'd heard about that. He knew that I was at least like running a show. So I knew how to run a show. And he didn't want to, because like a, a weekend at the club is Thursday through Sunday in gym for the most part. Mm -hmm. And he wanted to do, for the weeks that a headliner didn't want to do Wednesday, um, it's Wednesday through Sunday unless the headliner doesn't want to do it, which is pretty common. Uh, so for those weeks that there was a Wednesday open. He didn't want to be shut down. He wanted to do something. So he came to me and asked if I would be willing to run a Wednesday show there. And I took it up and um, I had still had no idea what I was doing because I had only, I'd only done the, like a couple, like a few shows for the independent thing. And it was at a bar where people were already at a lot at the time anyway. So like I didn't really have to do any real promotion or anything to get people there. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really have any idea of how to just organically produce a show. And I took it up and for a long time, it was awful. I mean, our first show, there was like six people there. And what that was, was the first show? Um, that was uh, summer of 2016. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think I was at some of your first shows. Yeah. Yeah, 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 you were. Uh, that's true, you were. Um, yeah, summer twenty sixteen, and I um yeah, I know it was going really bad. Um, for the first year and a half, it was pretty rough. I I really had no idea what I was doing. Um, I mean, like at most we'd get maybe like twenty five people at a show, and that would be a great show. And then. Because there were so few people there, like the club was like, you know, on a lot of shows they were losing money by having it running. So the owner like told the manager, he's like, Hey, I'm thinking about pulling the plug on the show. And the manager told me that. And something about that, I mean, that even though it wasn't going great, I was still like working on the show and like having it going for a year and a half. I just like it was like my baby and I didn't want anything to happen to it. So I I basically just took like a month where I, I just busted my ass. I mean, I did every bit of research I could in every different way. I mean, learning social media, marketing, learning um, advertising on social media in different ways, like how, and uh, just so many different things. I was on all these different apps. I was like advertising, meet up, I was getting meetup groups 
um, on the like those meetup apps. I was getting them to like bring their meetups to our show. I'm doing all these other things. I mean, I plus I learned how to use Video Leap and make these promo videos. I learned how to like um, target audiences uh, for ads and stuff, and how to build up my following and all this sort of stuff. And like, I mean, a month of just hardcore, just like, I mean, staying up all night, every night, just busting my ass. And then finally, um, March of 2018, we had our first big, big turnout, um, which was even like, still compared to like what I ended up doing, it still wasn't that much. It was like 120 people, which is still a good show. And I was like thrilled by that. And I, but I took that and I kind of figured out what the places I was spending my time that weren't working and places I was spending my time that were working. And I, you know, filtered out the rest and just put all my time and energy into what was working. And then within, um, Within what, like eight months, we had our first sold out show, which is 315 people, um, which is, which you don't do on a Wednesday, especially locally. Like, unless you're like this huge, huge name with a huge following, mm -hmm. like you don't sell out clubs on a, a weekday. It's right. like unheard of. And so I was, oh, I was starting, fire and I was starting to do that yeah. you know, multiple times. Or, I mean, I, and at the very least, I would get super close. I would have, you know, the high 200s mm -hmm. um, and I was doing that every single month and um, yeah I just you know I figured it out little by little and I, luckily I had a lot of help from I got shout out my sister my sister uh, worked does a lot of work in social media marketing and uh, she taught me how to target audiences and run ads and do all the marketing stuff and how to build the following so like I have heard a lot to things too I mean I, I still bust my ass and worked hard but I was really lucky to have her to kind of, she was like definitely a shortcut to kind of show me uh, what to study and like what to do for these certain things. And she showed me little tricks and tricks of the trade and everything. And so, um, yeah, just little by little, it slowly um, built its way up to being the, the biggest show in St. Louis. And then I just worked really hard to, to keep it that way. And it, you know, built a reputation for itself. You know, I, um, um, and I mean, on top of all that, you, no matter how hard you work, you still have to put on a great show because a lot of our people ended up becoming regulars and like, you know, that, that, cons uh, the shows became consistent because we have so many people also coming back every month. Mm -hmm. And the way you do that is by, it's like, that's one of the hardest parts as a producer, especially if you're a, if you're a comedian who's like in the scene with everyone, it's like everyone wants to do the show, but you have to be, you have to work. Not work, uh, you have to be willing to say no to some people and like only put on people that you know are gonna kill, right? Mm -hmm. Which is can which can be really tough. Um, probably friends, even, and yeah, 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 people that are people that I consider my friends, I like didn't put on the, sh put on the show, you know, and that's like one of the hardest parts is like you know, is um, having to be kind of really cold and strict and you know people constantly submitting I mean I had people uh, by you know after a, like a year uh, once it became big like within a year I had people from all over the country like sending me videos like submitting to try to do my show and wow. from New York and California and I mean everywhere you can really imagine stuff people that were on tour to try to like make it part of their tour and stuff and um, you know, it's it crazy. I, but yeah. the focus is, 
at least it was on it. It's mainly St. Louis comedians. Yeah, so it was, I always try to, so especially because it's called Best of STL yeah. Showcase. Um, and yeah, so, and I, and that was the other thing is that it was really hard because I, I kept it to only a few comics doing extended periods of time. Cause like a lot of showcases will have like five or six people doing like, you know, like 10, doing like 10 or 15 minutes or something. Mm-hmm. And I would have, it would be me and three other people doing like 20 to 25 minutes. Um, and so you have, so, and it's only a monthly show. So you're, you know, you're limited to only putting, you know, a few people on each show when you have so many people submitting, you know, you have to be very strict and stingy. Two out of three are from St. Louis. Yeah. So that was always the thing is I would make sure at least two of the three, especially because it was called Best of SEO Showcase. Um, um, I would always make sure that at least two of the three people were from St. Louis and stuff and I would allow um, one out of town if I if I did have an out of town that I liked like, yeah. to, to put on the show I would put one out of town on it you know yeah and because um, I have a lot of you know friends that from comedian friends from out of town that are really funny that I still wanted to do the show um, but yeah so for the most part it was a St. Louis focused show but I would do that you know, so, um, sounds like that like in the comedy sphere like <laughs> I mean, the word got out and like that, that you made a name for yourself, like like across the country, like literally, com- like at least amongst comics, knew about your show. Yeah, I mean that's got that had to be a pretty fucking crazy feeling. Yeah, people would. Um, yeah, it it was it was awesome, man. It, it felt really great that. To, Are you to worried see about having that almost that. start over now that everyone's out of their routine? Not to be <laughs> not to be negative. Yeah, um, I don't know. How this is going to because work. I mean, if you were able, they were almost going to pull the plug, and you were able to like get it. I think you're you're going to be fine. Like I don't want you to be scared, but I'm sure it. You do have that worry come to mind that like, oh, I'm going to have to put some extra juice again because everyone's out of their routine. Like even us, you were starting back up, and we used to go every month, and it's just like once we were out of the habit of going every Wednesday or once a month every Wednesday or <laughs> one Wednesday out of the month. We just like it just wasn't in our routine anymore, right. you know? Yeah. Um, I mean the we did two shows after the lockdown and both were terrible. Um but I think it is gonna be tough. I will have to put that's something I'd give a lot of thought to because I am gonna have to because like it got to a point where I didn't have to put in all that personal like those personal man hours anymore. The show had built up such a reputation that all I had to do was put out that the show was happening and people were just like, cool, I'm coming. Right. You know, instead of having to like hit people up and target people and, you know, like, hey, you should come to the show, blah, blah, blah. Um, I would just, you know, post on the page that we're having a show and people just show up. Right. Uh, now I feel like I'm going to have to, yeah, probably do that again because um, not only is it that, you know, people have forgotten about it, it's not their routine anymore, but a lot of people are still very scared to go out, you know? And yeah. so, um, once everything's cleared out and that's not a problem anymore, it'll be, you know, they'll, they'll help. But I mean, those first two shows, you know, that definitely hurt us a lot. And, and I mean, the clubs even still have to socially distance anyway, so you can only allow so many people in there anyway. Uh, you're only, uh, the, the, funny bone, the funny bone cap right now is 75, because you can only uh, fill it up to a quarter capacity. Because yeah. um, people gotta be so far spread out. So, um, and that's one of the things that really like depressed me out of social media for a while is that like I was I felt like I put 
I mean, for years, I spent every waking spare second that I had into advertising the show, like doing work on social media and apps, and all these different things were like out and about for the show. And then like having to start from scratch, I was just like, I mean, I remember the first show I went to, you DM me afterwards, oh, thanks for coming. And then like, we barely even knew each other. And I was like, damn it. Like, I felt like it was almost like you were like a celebrity and hitting me back up. I was like, dude, that's fucking awesome. You know? So it's like, <laughs> I can imagine that if you DM'd me, so like just a random guy after the show, it's like, I could just tell that you were putting in a shit ton of work, you know? Yeah, I did. Uh, I did that with everyone. I, every, if I knew like you came to the show, I would, I would, I would message. I would spend the rest of the night like on the show messaging everybody, thanking them for coming. I mean, it's such, it's such yeah. an awesome way to try to use social media because it can be like a toxic place, you know? Yeah, it just it can be such a use. Yeah, it's yeah. A, it can be a tool for um, you know such positive things. Too, yeah, because you know? I see you do that too. Like, like not necessarily even about best and I see all the like. I remember, well, now you're like shadow banned on my fucking Instagram. You might still be doing this, but I remember you would like uh, post like local people, like mm-hmm. like I remember you posted Shaney once, or like like a local artist or local. Yeah, support local Thursdays. Yeah, yeah. and I thought that was just like, support local Support local Sunday. Support local Sunday. Such like a loving thing to do on social media, whereas like most people are, I don't know. It seems a lot of the time people are like tearing down or criticizing. Right. It's like. You know, you're just you're just sharing because you have a following, and you're just using your platform to help other people. Yeah, as someone who and I like, and that was just one of the things I felt like if all the local artists can just work together to share their audience, then we can all every one of us can have a yeah. bigger you know audience. Exactly. And um, uh, so yeah, I just started using my social media following to to help out other people, and you know, especially people that had making the I like I. You know, I prioritize the people who had actually come to my show. So, like her, Katie, a uh, few like photographers. You know, there's like several people who like come to my show, and I was like, all right, now I want to help them. You know, do something yeah. for them because they came and supported my show. You know, um, so That's I was awesome. so I was um, yeah. I just felt that would be a good way to get everyone connected and everything. And um, um, yeah, it was awesome, man. Uh, and the the one of the greatest things about it was that. Um, my show became so popular and because it was like because like everything was said best of the seal showcase hosted by max price so my with my name being attached to them it like made me blow up to where like people knew about me and would look me up and like my videos started getting uh like on youtube would get like a ton more views um which like a lot of those i ended up taking i a lot of the ones i got a bunch of views i ended up taking down anyways but um, so like some of the YouTube videos I had got views, I was getting like hit up for shows um, from people that like I I never met. You know, they just like heard about me, like uh, found out about me through that. So then I would like uh, be doing like do I started traveling more, and so it just sort of like um, it all snowballed and like it all it all grew on top of each other. You know, I mean, it helped. Like I think it was like symbiotic. Cause cause like I I'm trying to put myself in your shoes and like you know. Um, it just seems to me like that anybody who's like doing comedy and like is like this is what I fucking want to do like I if I feel like if that was me because I, I have my own dreams just, and I have doubts so much about them I'm like dude am I fucking crazy like this might never work and I'm gonna look like an idiot well, I think about like, that I think that every day but like <laughs> when you have moments like that where it's like dude I took this show that had six people and now it's like 
basically sounds like something that maybe has never been done in St. Louis, where on a Wednesday, what random night with comedians that we don't know, we're like fired up, 300 people showing out to it. I mean, like, dude, no matter when how that happened, happened, you had to be like, dude, like, I can fucking do this shit. I'm gonna get a face tat. No more nine to five. Basically, uh, well, I, I actually this was kind of just following the, uh, <laughs> the thing. Yeah, I did want to ask that Travis Barker did, where he got he was like he's like, I'm gonna get so tattooed up that I don't have a plan B. Like no one else will hire me, so yeah. like, I have to do like I have to succeed in my like my dream. Yeah, and that kind of like inspired me to do that. So like now I have. But like with the shit you've done, it's like, I mean, I don't know, man. It's, it's but you always, I mean, no matter what happens, you always have that. I mean, no matter every, every show that I, even if I've like done like, I've had like 10 shows in a row that went great, that I killed at the next show, I'm like, oh, tonight's going to be the night that I bomb, I, you know, I suck, yeah. I'm terrible, and everyone's going to hate me, and then, you know, no matter how great a show would go, I'd be like, what, you know, the next show would be like, what if no one shows up, what if everyone, <laughs> you know, everyone decides not to come, and they can't yeah. tell blah, they just said they were coming but they don't like you're there's always no matter what's happening like no matter like everyone's success always still comes with doubts i mean no matter how popular and successful you get it's still going to come with the wave of doubts and um feelings of um of um uh, what's that called um not pretend fear but Imposter. Imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome. Thank you. That's uh, I feel that like all the time. I like I constantly like and I'm not I, again. I'm not saying it's like bragging or anything, but like I do have like fought, like people who aren't just like weren't like my friends before I did comedy that follow me. I have like actual like following and like it's not like a huge massive following, but it's like those who do follow me are like pretty loyal and like they follow yeah. my stuff and they come to my shows and everything. And like anytime, like I like someone says like, uh, like uh, oh well, like we're a big fan, like I'm a big fan of Max Fudge, or like I'm a big fan of work, blah, blah, or like people will come to me and be like, oh yeah, I was talking to this person I mentioned, they're like, oh my god, I'm a huge fan, like I'm a huge fan of this, of his stand up, and blah blah blah. I like every time, every time someone says that, I'm like, I'm like that's they're just they're just saying that to be nice, like yeah. no one actually <laughs> thinks that, like I don't have right. I don't have fans, they're just pre- people who. Are, are just you know they feel bad and they they you know they yeah. don't want me to kill myself so they're saying that I'm doing like, like no matter what like doesn't matter what happens like I that's you gonna always, be a trip you always say that like and I'm sure there's other people who you know have normal brains who don't think like that but yeah. like but it, it's hard not to it's it's because it's so hard to think like highly about yourself you know without feeling weird like I. Yeah, and especially like with, I mean, comedy, just putting yourself out there, like, there's so much doubt in it, man, I don't know, I don't, I don't want to like, be like, oh, I relate, but like, when I started making YouTube videos, like, like, and I still, I kind of get what you're saying, I mean, I have no success there, so there's not really anything to pressure me, but like, every time I do it, I'm like, want to delete the whole thing, and I'm like, this is fucking terrible, and I'm an idiot, and like, no one's gonna, like, I'm gonna look like so stupid, but then like, just, Doing it, putting it out there, it's like it's almost like therapy. It's like yeah, it's a it's like, I don't give, like you have to not give a fuck. Yeah, it's like, a way of relief. It's a way. Yeah, yeah, it really is therapeutic, and it's like just getting it out there because yeah. like there's nothing worse than like that feeling of what if. Right. You know, like it's like it's better to try and fail than to just spend your whole life thinking like what if I had tried you know blah blah. blah. It's yeah. like, at least if you try and you fail, it's like 
it's not like you want, you know, that's still kind of sad too if you fail, but it's like at least there's closure in knowing that you tried and it didn't work out and it wasn't for you and you can move on to the next thing. Yeah. But like there's, do you never have closure with the what if situation? That's so true, man. That's so, yeah. Man, I feel like with, I don't know, I just feel like. It's, I feel like it's really funny because like I feel like. It's really funny that like you brought me on as like as a comedian. We've been we've talked so like deep and serious the whole time. People are like, I thought this guy was a comedian. He's just like, yeah. He's like, Dude, I mean, I saw a whole different side of you, man. Because because like you said, like 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 at least you know a couple of years ago, like your jokes were like very like goofy guy. Like, I promise I tell actual jokes if you come and see my stand up. <laughs> But like this scene, like you're a fucking smart ass dude. Like I did not realize that you were so like, like you said, like you think deeply about this shit, you know? And to me, that's smart. Like, um, it's fucking cool, man. I'm really thankful that you came and like spent or however. Yeah, dude, I had a great time. It was fun to, it was fun to, the time flew by. It was fun to talk with you guys. Yeah, I mean. I could do shit like this anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. It's, uh, yeah, I, I feel like I could talk to you for three more hours. Um, is there so let's uh i know we got to wrap it up here but um yeah what uh where can people find you and like what should we look out what should people look out for in the future um well when i start actually being prevalent on social media again you can follow me at max price is me m-a-x-p-r-y-c-e-i-s-m-e um you know just my facebook max price i have a personal page and a comedy page um I really don't use Twitter very much, uh, but I mean, you can follow it too. I mean, all those things I'm going to get back into. I'm kind of just taking a break from everything right now, just like kind of. Do um, you have a YouTube channel? Where would you post? No, stuff? I just I post I post some um, I post some videos. You can look up my stand up, uh, just Max Price Comedy on YouTube, and I have a few uh, sets posted on there and stuff, and then I have like some short clips of um stuff on instagram and then uh on, on facebook if you go into my videos i have like all my quarantine stories some of them some of the quarantine stories i couldn't post on instagram because they're too long but uh i'm actually really those are like something i'm actually really you proud can do of igtvs i tried it still said it was too is long. it because it's mm, i don't know I, I'm an try, hour long I, yeah i know i noticed that and I, for some reason mine is like 19 IGTV. minutes no, it's not even reels. It was before reels even came out. And I like put on it eighteen minutes. It said it was it had to be fifteen minutes. Is it widescreen? I don't know. I don't. I don't know. How to, again, I don't know how to do that stuff. If I'm it's so widescreen, you have to upload from your laptop. Um, but if it's shot vertically like this, then you can. Yeah, it was. It was on my phone. But oh, I mean, we'll, we'll, so we'll link all the stuff if any you know if yeah. anyone wants to check it out. But, uh, we'll link all your stuff down. Yeah, go on to go on to um, Facebook and my videos. I'm, I'll try to upload the uh, the ones I missed onto Instagram too. But check out my quarantine stories because I feel like those were I was really proud of those. I feel like those got overlooked more because they're this thing is it's a time commitment. Uh, like the longest one's like twenty minutes. Uh, so they're, they're pretty long stories, but like I was really uh happy with them and. Um, you know, I do like some video editing too while I'm telling them stuff, trying to make it as funny as possible. Um, they're just like, you know, they're crazy, as, as much crazy as they are funny, you know, those are just really wild stories um, from my past. So um, if you look those up, I think you'll enjoy them. I think um, a lot of people just, they didn't get as many views as I 
wanted because I think people just weren't willing to spend 15 to 20 minutes just like sitting at one yeah. and just yeah. sitting, and sitting there talking about the story. Uh, but I think there are people that are better than they got credit for. So if yeah, if anything, just check those out and then. Um, Check out the showcase when he yeah, gets back. Yeah, when, once I'm back, the I'm, best of I'm his shirt that he made. Oh, yes. Back in the day. Back in the day. Oh, thank you so much, man. Thank you, guys. Damn.